This is the MLW Radio Network. Time to start your day the right way with front row material. Starring ECW legends Jerry Lynn and Mikey Whitbrick. Now, let's welcome your host, Mike Freeman. Welcome to another episode of Front Room Material. I am your host, Mike Freeland. Hope you are doing well. Thank you so much for joining us yet again on a Tuesday night. Uh, I've got a big show for you lined up this week. We're going to be talking about all the crazy news that's been going on in wrestling with our panel coming up in our second hour. But in our first hour, we got something very, very interesting. We have an individual who's got, I think, a very fascinating story. Um, it is someone who works at the Wrestling Observer, and it is one of my favorite publications. Uh, it's a go-to for me whenever I want to find out what's going on in wrestling. So Derek from the Wrestling Observer is with us. Derek, how you doing, buddy? And thanks for joining us. Doing good. Thanks for having me, Mike. So let me just kind of first jump right into it here. So how did uh, your fascination of wrestling actually had to start? I mean, it's, you know, it's got to have some incarnation here. So how did that happen? Uh, my dad used to watch ESPN, and this is how old and young I am at the same time. Uh, <laughs> Austin Idol and Jerry Lawler were in a cage match from Memphis, and it was on ESPN, and instantly fell fascinated, and uh, it is it is the biggest memory of professional wrestling when I was you know two or three years old, and growing up as a kid, you didn't have eighty five channels to choose from; you had seven channels to choose from, and Wrestling was on every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern or or 12 o'clock. It was superstars and living in the Philadelphia area. There were a lot. There was a lot of content between Crockett running in the Philadelphia area and having TV in the Philadelphia area and it really being a stronghold for Spectrum and Prism and Vince for a long time. It really just it, it was easy to be saturated with content and being that young and, and seeing athleticism and Original life characters. It's it's very hard not to get hooked at that age, and has continued at this point forward. Now, let's see. I'm thirty six. Yeah, thirty six. So over thirty years of wrestling, which is crazy to kind of verbally say, let alone mentally <laughs> realize. It's uh, it's a lot, and you know, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because. Wrestling for so many people is something that they either watch with. I, I hear responses from their grandparents to their older siblings mm -hmm. to their father. Um, it's something that just kind of became entrenched in them. It was kind of a, a family thing and yeah. something that a lot of families end up having like this ritual. And mm -hmm. it's something that gets passed on. I think that's really, really cool. Early on, was there anybody that you specifically gravitated to or... I mean, the Hulk Hogan to Ultimate Warriors, uh, Sting. Uh, my devotion never really got to having all the posters of one guy and, and really being a fan of someone in particular. Um, I always, once I got past being five or six, uh, the tag teams were a big part, uh, big fan of the Road Warriors. 
uh, the nasty boys of the time. And like, it, it was hard not to enjoy them because it was different. Um, I didn't really watch a lot of the pay-per-views. So there were, there were a ton of always tag team squashes. Um, so the rockers were, were heavily part of that. You know, I always think about earthquake and typhoon and the natural disasters and especially being that age action figures, it was always cool to get two compared to one. So I always gravitated towards tag teams. Uh, but really until ECW came around, there was nobody, you know, I know the categorization now is going to be a mark for, uh, but there was no one I was really a mark for until Raven and Raven was a, was someone that was different and cutting edge and just appealed differently than what I was seeing on TV a lot of that time. So Raven was the first one I was really, you know, went out of my way to make sure I tuned in and watch, but he was the first one I was really a hardcore mark for. Did you ever think about, you know, I know a lot of people who turned out to be wrestling fans, you know, after the fact, were you wanting to get into wrestling at some point in time, or did you ever have a desire to be a part of wrestling when you were early on? Or was that something that you were like, you know what? I enjoy watching it, uh, but never really gave it much thought about being a part of the industry itself. Getting, uh, getting into the industry was a whole lot different than wanting to be it. I don't know that I ever really wanted to, uh, growing up in the area of Philadelphia and, and around Philadelphia, there was always a ton of indies being run. Um, so when I first started going to comments on wrestling, I never assumed I would be able to uh, get into the business. And then it just kind of, you know, you're there at a show, you're setting up chairs, you're doing whatever you can to make it feel like you're part of it. And then as they bring you in, you kind of just feel like you're in. And at that point in time, I never assumed wanted to be a wrestler. Uh, I was a tall, skinny kid growing up. I was never built to be a professional wrestler, but I was writing for wrestling websites at that time and building websites when HTML was basic compared to the shit that goes on today uh, with God knows how many layers of code and everything like that. I could build a very basic HTML website, writing for websites, sending reports into like one wrestling and, and Meltzer and, you know, those various websites never thought I would want to be in it. I was more in tune and wanting to be apart from the outside. Uh, but once I got, once you get in, it's very hard to get out as over now 18 years involved in wrestling has taught me it's, it's in, you know, Roddy, Roddy Popper used to say all the time, once it's in your blood, it's in your blood. I never thought of being 36, I would be a partial career at this point, in professional wrestling. And it's just crazy to look back and see it now, especially from the differences between the business then and now. So what age were you when you started doing kind of the, the web building and whatnot? Give me a time frame range of when that was actually happening. I was 15. So wow. that would be 2000. So I was doing, uh, writing TV recaps for various websites. And then I sent one into ecwwrestling.com as like a, Hey, by the way, I'm doing these. They edited it all hell, but posted it because I guess whoever was doing it that week was off and I got some notoriety from it and kind of grew from there before social media, before Twitter, before Facebook. And then we would go to the comments on wrestling shows, me and my friends. And then you, me, I've always been a networker. So I would find the guys 
AOL instant messenger names and hit them up. They're like, do you need a website? And I'll provide it for free or charge you 20 bucks a month. And you just send me the stuff you want to post and I'll post it for you. And it's really how it started. Wow. So obviously getting involved with, with the wrestling observer was something that was just the natural progression of everything that you were doing at that time. So I would always send, you know, I would go to house shows. I would go to any shows I would send to Dave and growing up in this business and being part of the younger talent and CZW and Chikara and Ring of Honor and being trained and being part of them, I was able to get some information that I'd be able to pass to Dave and back and forth. So I don't want to say I started as a source with Dave, but kind of. Um, I would just reach out to Dave occasionally and just be like, you know, I read the newsletter, been a subscriber for God knows how long. There are typos there, and Dave has always claimed that he's not the best typer, and I can assure you he's not. Um, <laughs> but when it comes to spelling, grammatical, you know, he didn't really have anyone that was doing it for him. And he lives on the West Coast. So who's going to be able to stay up that late and be able to do it? And also has a knowledge of the business. And I pestered him for a really long time until he finally said, yeah, I, I could use somebody. And that's been six years now. So the the nights of the Observer are the longest nights, what feels like, of my life. Because proofreading and editing 40,000 words in a very short time span is not fun. But I, I enjoy it still. And keeps me in tune to wrestling and what's going on. And the expansion of this business digitally is something I'm it's pretty cool to be a part of to see how Dave has taken his legitimate print newsletter to the next level online. Let me ask you, there's a lot of critics um, and there's a lot of wrestling critics and people out there. Do you feel like Dave gets a bad rap? Politically? Yes. Uh, The non-political answer is there are people that don't like his opinions. There are people that don't like the way he spins his opinions in his reports. People take it as fact or they want to dispute his opinion and then it gets messy. So I've always talked, I've always thought reading Dave is you can decipher what is an opinion and what is reporting. And if, if you cannot do that, you're either searching for it or hoping that what is coming out of his brain ends up being fact. There are a lot of people in this business that sit there and read the observer and use it as lessons and they should. Dave's been around for God knows how long and will continue to be around for God knows how long. He's one of the smartest guys when it comes to the business. If you doubt that, then you just disagree with the the opinions that are being put forth. But I don't think anybody works as hard, cultivates information, the whole thing with Cody Rhodes in the last couple of days and, and all that. I saw someone tweet today that Dave was late to the story and is out of touch. I know for a fact he wasn't, but it's not my place to sit there and, and point fingers and say, this guy was first and that guy was second. I think there's a different level with Dave who likes to get the whole story and not just the, here's four lines, here's what's going on right now, more later. I think he likes to do a more complete follow through of everything going on compared to the breaking news synopsis that 
a lot of what goes on. And I think that's in news in general, not just in professional wrestling. You know, you look at Adam Schefter when he tweets something out, it's not a news story that he's or a link he's sending. It's just 240 characters of here's what's going on. And then the story comes later. That's what it is now. I don't think Dave wants to do that. I don't think Dave needs to be first, but I don't think there's anyone more thorough than Dave. It's okay not being first, but when you provide the most, I think that I think that means more. And that's just that's just me personally. The bad rap he gets. I, I it's not jealousy, it's not that. It's just some of it's a gimmick, and some of it just ends up being I disagree with his opinion, or he shit on me at one point in time, and I don't know how to take criticism. Right. Who would you say, in your opinion, is in that category of of where the wrestling observer is as far as what you know Dave does? Do you feel like there's any other really good credible sources out there as well? Or do you feel like it's it's such a hard thing to say because everybody wants to claim they're well connected? I don't think there's in terms of level of connection, I think there's people that have similar connections to Dave. I think Sean Ross Sapp does uh, a very good job in what he does. Um, Wade Keller does a great job in what he does. I think there's a different form of reporting out there. I think Dave and Wade are the long-form reporters. I think Sean is... I don't subscribe to Sean, so I don't know everything that he posts uh, other than what I see on Twitter. Sure. Um, I think he's very good at what he does and getting the news out there quickly. And I think in this day and age, that's important. I don't think it's everything. Um, look, everybody gets a story wrong. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody, everybody does at some point in time. There have been people that I've disagreed with. I've seen them write a story that I know it's not true and it's how they handle it. Um, some are better than others. Some take criticism. Well, some don't. Um, I, it's hard to differentiate what is reporting and what is speculation anymore as well. Um, listen, working at AfriShows.com and doing research for Bruce Pritchard and Conrad and Bischoff and everybody, they always say he wasn't there or, you know, how does he really know that? It's all the same news that comes out from every other source of every other form of broadcasting. You know, Roger Goodell hears about an owner's leak from one of their meetings guarantee you 95% of what is said is true at that point in time. Just sometimes you don't want to hear it. And sometimes you don't want to take the basis of reality with fact. And like I said, some of it's gimmick, some of it's not, but it's hard to, it's hard not to think Mike Johnson, especially on the Indies and in the Northeast is very well connected. These are the guys that when they say something, it means something. And when they report something, it means something. Those guys are are hard to to separate when it comes to being connected and being up there with knowledge and news. When it, would you say in this day and age, a lot of things are much more held quiet unless you have a, a not a necessarily a, a reputable name, but it's harder for people nowadays to break into wrestling news uh, as far as from a coverage standpoint just for the simple fact that there's just so few people that either wrestlers or promoters truly trust, or do you think it's it's just as the same level of difficulty as it was when you first broke in? I think it's easier now to break in than it was then, because now there's more ability to get clout. 
followers and page clicks and things like that. You know, there was a media scrums 25, 30 years ago. There was a media scrums five years ago. You know, the Dave, they would constantly talk about in the past. I'd call the office and ask them for a comment. I didn't ask for a confirmation. I asked for a comment. There were times that people would sit there and refute and refute and refute. And then two days later, they would announce it. So there's the, the, the medium has changed. The ability to communicate changed. You talk about Dave being on the West coast and WWE being on the East coast. You know, there were times that he'd have to get up at five, six o'clock in the morning on the West coast to get a 9am phone call over to JJ Dillon to confirm something that he heard the night before at 2am. So the world's gotten smaller. The ability to gather information has gotten easier. Is it easier? I, I think Dave has a, a very much easier time getting information than ever before. But I think the amount of falsehoods that he's been given recently is way different than what he used to get 20, 30 years ago. It was easy to do. You know, uh, Jeff talks about it all the time on his podcast about how Dave would get reports and the finishes would be wrong, and the one guy, and he would report that the wrong guy won when the right guy, when the other guy won. It's so much easier to verify that stuff now than ever before. So, in the ability to get easier into the business and report news, there's a lot of people out there that can report whatever they want, and then sometimes they get it right. It's, you know, Kevin Owens cut a promo about hating the state of Texas not really hard to figure out who Austin's going to be working at WrestleMania. Not all of it's reporting. Some of it's stars aligning and being able to read the tea leaves. But if you know that Cody Rhodes, contract has expired, it's going to be it, it. That information gets out a whole lot easier now than ever before, because the other end of this conversation ends up being, they want a favor at some point in time or clout or a put over not that I'm saying it happens, but we know it happens. So it's easier to get information because you're going to want, want it to come the other way. You know, you trade a story for a story. I've done it before. Continue to do it. People talk and people gossip. It's easier than ever to get this information, but it's harder and harder to be able to make it seem like you know what you're talking about than ever before because there's so much out there. I mean, how many Twitter followers out there making a case right now for that Cody Rhodes leaving is a work because they want to believe it that way. And the more people talk about it, the more they're going to try to buy into it. It's not. So it's the medium's change and the ability to, to sift through the bullshit has changed as well. What is a, a typical day for you? Like, I mean, obviously you got the observer ad free shows. So kind of walk me through, you know, you wake up, you have your cup of coffee, what what does your day look like and, and how crazy is it until the day, the time you sign off at the end of the night and say, you know what, I don't even want to look at wrestling anymore? Um, so I'm a sales manager at a car dealership as well. So my day is chaos from the word go. Uh, there are times that I get to do research for Comrade and Afri shows while I'm at work, depending upon how busy and how slow it is, or just sometimes I need to disconnect and, and ignore my staff and just clear out my brain with 20 years ago what happened in the WWE so I don't kill anybody. Um, I mostly do my work at night after the kids are asleep and, you know, sitting in bed and relaxing. Uh, there is an expansion of stuff. So Thursday night is when the observer is, is uh, proofread and done. 
So I will get tits, uh, tidbits and pieces of it throughout the week. I'll get my first draft around five o'clock Eastern time. And from that point forward, it's, you know, five, six hours of proofreading, sending back and proofreading and sending back. Uh, I think my wife would disagree with me. I don't think it takes up that much of my life, but <laughs> she has let me know that it does take up. Um, I would say I spend about eight to nine hours a week doing research for ad free and four to five hours uh, every Thursday night doing the observer. Wow. Unbelievable. That is uh that, I mean, it's a big commitment. It's a big commitment. What sure. is, what keeps you going? What is the one thing that is it days like, like today or yesterday when big news stories hit that just kind of gets the blood pumping? Or is it one, one of those things where it's like, you know what? Every day is, is, is exciting for me to continue doing this. Every day is exciting. Uh, yesterday was different with all the news coming all at once about various companies. Um, listen, I started doing this with Conrad uh, through the pandemic, and it was a revenue source why I wasn't really sure what my main job was going to be at that point in time, and it's grown. So it's hard to, to be like, all right, well, I got myself through the pandemic. I'm good. Enjoy whatever else you want to get done at that point in time. Um, he hired me and paid me during the pandemic when I was not making what I normally make. So my role has expanded and continues to expand with them as they have more shows, more content. So I'm going to be right there with them because at the end of the day, they were there at you know a very low point when it, co when it comes to income. It's enjoyable. I don't really watch wrestling. Like as crazy as that is, I'll occasionally pop on Dynamite or occasionally pop on Raw. Um, I don't watch SmackDown on Fridays. I don't watch Rampage. Uh, you know, look, uh, I'll scroll on Twitter and see the clips. And, you know, I watch Botchamania as much as possible because it's enjoyable <laughs> and it's entertaining. Um, I don't have time to actually watch what is going on. I have friends in both companies. Some of them will reach out to me and tell me I should watch this or make sure you tune in tonight or you don't want to miss this. Sometimes I go out of my way to do it. Sometimes I don't. Uh, when it comes time to watch it, I try to disconnect from it because, one, it's not really in my purview right now uh, for for Conrad or for Adfree because we do so much history. And the other end of it is I watch an, I've watched enough wrestling for what I feel like is five or six lifetimes, and I'm good in the one, two-minute to two-and-a-half-minute doses. I watched CM Punk's debut on AEW because I knew it was going to be an event. I watched Thor Rumble because I watch it every year. I don't know if I'm going to watch two nights of WrestleMania, depending upon what is on the card. Working with Kevin very early on in his career and being a part of that and bringing him in to CZW, if it is Steen and Austin, I'm like 99% sure it's going to be. I will do my best to watch it. Mania every year is right around my birthday, so it makes it hard to makes it hard for me to explain to my wife why we're not celebrating my birthday when a professional wrestling show is on. So as much as that adds to our income, there needs to be a separation sometimes of life and, and state. So it's yesterday's fun because there's so much going on and, you know, you, you hear something and then you ask a question and then the answer you're expecting isn't the answer you get. And then you ask somebody else a question and then it's like, yeah, by the way, this and then all of a sudden it just kind of unravels. And that's, to me, the news part is more fun than what actually happens in the ring anymore. 
but I'm not going to sit there and act like I go out of my way to watch it anymore. So when it comes to news and, and free agency and all of this kind of stuff, do you feel like in some ways now it has become just as popular as you made a reference earlier, like the NFL um, before the season starts, you know, who's going where, what's happening here. I've made a big comparison to that with just the fact that there's always this burning interest to find out stuff about people that, you know, you've, you've wanted to know where are they going to land? You know, Mm -hmm. what's their contract going to look like? What's going to happen? And I love the Adam Schefter reference to this. Do you think there's just this big thirst of people wanting to know more than they previously had a chance to know? Yes. I, I don't think there's any doubt to that. I mean, there was a their showbiz daily or, or I may have that wrong. I mean, you look at Brandon Thurston's coverage of business and the way he gets fully deep into financial statements. There is a market for everything. There is a reason why ESPN writes a major story today about how it was the biggest, it was the most watched Super Bowl in five years. They People want to feel like they're part of something. And they want to know what's going on. I know it's entertainment. I know no one really cares about what contracts are. It's bullshit. The instant NFL player signs the next mega contract, it's all that's talked about. And it's all everyone you know comments on. And social media, it's no different than professional wrestling. That's where I think the sports and entertainment line gets blurry sometimes. No one really cares about who makes what on what TV show. No one really does because they don't what what does it matter at the end of the day? But if someone holds out on a contract and someone gets taken out of a show, people want to know why they were taken off. Why are they leaving the show? Is it a money dispute? People inherently like drama and they inherently like gossip and they want to know everything that's going on. And the people that say that they don't want it more than anybody else because they're the ones crowing about how you should just watch a show and enjoy the show. You don't pay the, you don't, you don't sign up on Twitter for not having discourse. You don't sign up for social media without wanting to be involved in a conversation. And if the conversation is going to be a dissection of the, of the match and he missed this spot and that spot, or it's, well, WWE got 1.32 in the demo last week. Why does that matter? It matters because you're commenting on it. And I think if you look at the way news and entertainment has been structured over the last 20, 25 years. Who was the biggest reporting reporter in the NFL 25 years ago? Can't tell you because it didn't matter because they're all local. You didn't have a national NFL guy like you have Schefter and Morrison now. That's what Dave is. And at the end of the day, their opinion matters. When Adam Schefter says something, the world stops. When Adam Schefter reported that Tom Brady was retiring and Tom Brady came out four hours later and said, nope, haven't made a decision yet, bullshit. Adam Schefter doesn't go with that story unless he knows it. Dave's not going to put out that Cody Rhodes is leaving AEW without him knowing it. And Dave's going to take three or four or five sources, just like Schefter's going to take. So it's not that this guy said this backstage and that was the feeling. It's I'm going to get my shit together and make sure I know what I'm doing before I put my foot out in the water. There was a big controversy when uh, Canyon Seaman uh, was supposedly released. That rumor went through professional wrestling quicker than any rumor I I had seen in probably a good solid year. AEW getting started was a gigantic rumor for three months. 
No one ever got the confirmation that it was starting because the players involved didn't want to say anything. But everyone knew it was coming. Jim Ross is getting lined up. Chris Jericho isn't signed with anybody. It just made sense. If you follow pieces sometimes, you'll get the answer you're looking for. But until you get confirmation, you don't want to step out and say, by the way, there's a new company forming and they're going to have a show on TNT probably in eight months. But I'm not really entirely sure of it. No one wants to hear that. So you have to you have to have some type of reality based thought process. And you got to make sure you're right before you break a big story like that. Kevin Steen twists his ankle and he has to sit out a raw and everyone assumes it's COVID. And then all of a sudden somebody says, yeah, it was just an ankle sprain. There's inherently doubt because they want something deeper and more. And it's got to be this big conspiracy. Everything's a conspiracy. And that's just the world we live in now. And it makes it harder and harder to disseminate what is true and factual. And then what's rumor and gossip. I know rumor and innuendo is a big thing in the Conrad world. And it's pretty funny to hear it sometimes. But there are numerous times I've heard conversations that are true and are factual and don't get printed. Because sometimes you don't need one or two or three sources. Sometimes it just doesn't need to be said. And it's easy to put two dots together. Let me ask you this. This is a stepping away from the conversation for a second. What's your thoughts on the wrestling landscape right now? I know you said you, you surprisingly don't get a chance to, to watch a ton of it. Where do you think it is right now? Do you think this is the best it's been, would you say, in the last 20 years? Do you feel like the fans have a great plethora of options right now? Or do you feel like it's WWE still head and shoulders above everybody mm-hmm. else? I think WWE is head and shoulders above everybody else with reach. Um, I think the pandemic really decimated a lot of independent promotions. Uh, it's good to see companies like Game Changer stepping up and stepping out. Um, it's hard to describe what is considered best. Do I think it's best for the boys right now? I think that peak happened eight months ago when Punk and Danielson signed. I think there's going to be a lot of money that is not being used out on the indies and in AEW because of that. And listen, you can say what you want. Cody leaving is money, and there's no doubt in my mind it's money. WWE being able to sign people to these big contracts and being able to utilize them is great to help pay scale. It's great to help pay the boys more. The boys deserve as much money as humanly possible because they're the ones doing the bumps, going through the injuries, going through the aches, pains, and the road. For fans, I think this is the best time possible for them because there's so much content now than ever before. So many ways to see it between independentwrestling.tv, between fight, between high spots, anybody. There's you. There's enough wrestling that you can literally turn your computer on at 8 a.m. and turn it off at 10 p.m. and literally go through 14 hours of wrestling, not stop, and still have more to watch the next day. I didn't, I didn't have that opportunity. I had tapes, and I had to hope that the tapes I was getting were in good condition and had to be able to get them to work. And you weren't going to get ripped off by a guy who sent you an episode of The Golden Girls when you thought it was going to be ECW Hardcore TV from God knows what date. So the ability to have content and the ability to have it accessible and easy for you, there's so many options, whatever you're into, death matches, Lucha Libre, Japan. It's just, it, I don't think there's a better time to be a fan than right now don't know in terms of money and salary if it's going to be the best for the boys 
Who do you like to listen to? I mean, obviously put put Conrad aside and, and add free shows and and Dave. Is there anybody else that you really enjoy listening to, whether it be somebody who does shoot interviews or anything like that? Is there anybody on the outside in the peripheral that you're a fan of? Always a fan of Sean Oliver. Always a big fan because he makes shoot shoot interviews entertaining. Uh, I will sit here and be honest with you. I don't have enough time to listen to anybody really outside of Conrad. Um, it's important that I listen to the shows that I'm doing the research on because there are things I'll pick up on for a future episode that I know is coming down the line. Um, so I, I really have to listen to those shows. I, there's more content on adfreeshows.com than I can, than I can keep up on, let alone part of my job. So it's really hard to listen to anybody outside of that. I really, I really even get to listen to Dave because of the amount of content going on, um, coming from adfree shows. Uh, Jeff Jarrett is a tremendous storyteller, but sometimes it takes 30 minutes for him to get to the point and I got to listen to the whole thing to make sure <laughs> that I'm not missing a sliver of information that we need to put together for the next podcast that's coming that, you know, the next month. Um, I'm the one who really puts together the schedule for Conrad. So I have it mapped out to where one shows here, then the next month, the next month shows here and so on and so forth. So it's important for me to have to listen to those shows because if there's a teaser or something that maybe isn't in the, the observer or the torch at that point in time that they know is coming up after the fact, I need to be able to circle back to it and make sure that it's covered because if not, I'm doing a disservice to them and the listener. When it, it's interesting you mentioned Conrad again. When you do research for him, is it something that you look back in old observers and you get information there, or what is your um, your policy on how you do research when it comes to preparing a podcast? Some of it I do off of memory. So depending upon topic, uh, you know, I am I, I used to be able to, to do you know the WF champions in order from. 1963 up until you know they started changing the titles every every week um i have very good memory when it comes to that type of stuff being a professional wrestling i've had a couple of concussions and lost some of that memory so it's important uh, i use the absorber uh, i use the torch i have databases on both i also have a database of matt watch um which is another newsletter from the 90s uh i try to i try to search for shooting interviews so we can provide clips of you know Conan saying this or Kevin Nash saying this at one point in time to, to provide a point counterpoint. It's important to get a lot. Uh, I do do research on books. I just uh, recently read Jonathan Snowden's Ken Shamrock book for the uh, Something to Wrestle episode with Bruce, and it's a tremendous resource. I find it, I find part of the conversation is what we thought was happening at the time, as was reported in the Observer. In the Observer what has happened since information that's come out afterwards, what the boys have said in interviews afterwards. And then, you know, JR has a podcast talking about this, you know, this subject, and then Bruce is going to cover it. Well, here's JR's point of view. What's your point of view? And I think it's important to get all sides of the story. Sometimes, sometimes not all that information is accessible and available. And sometimes it's pure fiction bullshit. So it's easy to sift through some of that stuff. I really use Dave's stuff from back then because he was, I don't want to say the Bible, but the gospel at that point in time because his word really held so much more than anybody else's did. And listen, part of it's entertainment. So 
being able to pepper Bischoff and pepper Bruce, some of the stuff Dave says makes for good radio. No, it definitely does because I know both of those guys will. Whether it's shtick or it's it's not, uh, they definitely uh, make it entertaining when it comes to references. To, I don't uh, know how much is shtick anymore. <laughs> so it could probably be pretty close to the chest on how they feel. I don't think either one of them are working a gimmick at this point in time. Uh, I think do they play some of it up? I'm sure they do because they're both they both know exactly what they're doing when it comes to that. Um, I don't know that there's a, a real love loss between all three of them. Um, I think part of that is also entertainment uh, to an nth degree, but I feel like there's some general uh, general animosity um, coming Dave's way on that. Any idea? I, I've always been curious about this. What the numbers are for some of the podcasts, especially with ad-free shows like you know, you often hear about downloads and whatnot. Any idea, just ballpark range on what some of these shows do download-wise? I don't. Um, I'm not involved in the business aspect of the show. Um, I really go, I go, I use a good barometer of YouTube views um, to see what, you know, if a show does good on YouTube, I feel like it, it has a correlation in downloads. Um, but I don't know the numbers. I'm not involved on the business end of that. Thank God. I'm, I'm good staying away from that aspect of it. Um, I know there are hot topics um, that dry. I, I, once again, the correlation has got it is always YouTube for me. Um, there's no India bots searching around to, to see dusty roads in the WWF from Bruce Pritchard's point of view. So um, you have to, you have to be, there has to be correlation between the amount of views and downloads uh, between the between the shows, um, but it, unfortunately, I don't have access to the business end of it. So, when did you first find out as far as the the formation of ad free shows? Because I know that there was a little bit about you know would Conrad ever create his own network? When yeah. did you start to hear a buzz about hey, you know what, this is going to happen? So, I did freelance work for him before ad free shows. Uh, a couple of JR episodes when he was starting to, uh, when he started with JR, a couple of RN episodes when he started with RN, a couple of Bischoff episodes when he started with 83 weeks. He had a regular rotation of guys. Um, I had no idea ad free shows was starting until I saw it on the internet. So when the formation happened, all I did at that point in time was, hey, how do I sign up so I can listen to the Mike Kyoto mailbag? Because I was being a former referee, I big mark for Kyoto and one of the hearers' thoughts. Um, and then Conrad was like, are, are we not including you in this? And like, I, I don't know, but I just want to listen to the podcast. So how do I get access to it? And that was how, honestly, I, I found out Afri Shows was formed. Um, I don't know how much of a network it is anymore with Podcast Heat and what's going on with that. So again, I try to stay away from the business and the, and the stuff. Just email me what you want. And as long as the money clears, that's all I really care about at the end of the day. <laughs> so... Man, there's so many things that you've had yourself involved in as far as wrestling is concerned. I mean, with working with the Wrestling Observer and Dave and your experiences there, and then obviously with Conrad with with ad-free shows, it's hard to say probably what is the most enjoyable because it, it kind of all melds together, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely all melds together. Um, enjoyable is... All right, I'll run through it. So we chose... I have, I have a different enjoyable thing for each host. Um, when Bruce gets hot, I enjoy it. When he just, it's when he goes off a tangent, that, 
that's part of the reason I started being a listener when they first launched a podcast was to hear Bruce get hot about something. Um, Eric being able to look back at stuff and see his mistakes and what he would do differently. I think that's a great point of view. Bruce doesn't really do that all that often. He'll admit that, you know, we shouldn't have, but what would you do in that situation? I think Eric generally feels looking back sometimes at certain scenarios and angles and gimmicks and things like that. You know, I could have tweaked this here. I could have tweaked that there. And I think it's a better understanding. Um, Jeff is just Jeff. Jeff will not answer a question, answer a question all at the same time. Uh, JR is by far not the most in-depth, but just the amount of knowledge that can come out in one sentence, I think, is is my favorite part of listening listen to the gym talk. Uh, Kurt is so much fun to prep for because he has just this inane ability to not remember and then suddenly just remember. Um, Kurt, Kurt, has, Kurt is a different perspective because he was in the ring. He wasn't the promoter. He wasn't the booker. He was just, I'm the soldier that goes out there and, and, and does each thing. And there were times that he disagreed and there were times that, you know, freak accidents happen. You know, if you, if you go back and look at WrestleMania 19 podcast with Brock getting hurt, it's a genuine, true, you know, true reaction. That's my favorite. When I, when, when Kurt is able to, to break down his walls and, and get into what he's actually feeling, that's my favorite part of Kurt. Uh, working with Dave, the best part about working with Dave is just the constant conversation of, you know, Hey, did you see this? Hey, did you see that? Um, and I think that that's the most fun for me is helping him see stuff that he may not see. Um, there's only so much you can do during all hours of the day scouring for wrestling news. But when I can send him a clip of something I thought was interesting or a spot or something, and then all of a sudden he tweets it out, you know, two hours later and he gets a hundred retweets and 200 likes and, you know, 50 posts about it. And, you know, I, I, I didn't know about this and I didn't see about this. That to me is the, is the rewarding part for, for that. And also seeing my name news over every week. <laughs> I mean, there's without a shadow of a doubt, the work that you put out each week, the people who subscribe absolutely love it. Um, I knew several people who subscribe to the, uh, the newsletter and they love it. And the people who subscribe, they're not just people who just kind of subscribe here and there. They're like lifers. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's one of those things. It's it's like a brand, you know, yep. like a Tide or a Pepsi or, yep. you know, whatever laundry soap your mom used, you use now because yep. it's so entrenched in everyone's mind as being the place to go yep. for information. Um, what would be the next chronological step in your career, would you say? Is there something that you would like to do in addition is there something that you aspire to do even more than this any thoughts on that never thought about it really um happy and content with what i'm doing uh i don't with dave i don't think there was anything else and and this is going to sound terrible to say but i'm not sure what happens to the observer if dave ever stops to sign to do it I don't think there's like a, you know, here's the next guy up. Like, I don't think Brian Alvarez is the guy that's going to take that mantle. Uh, when Dave stops doing the Observer, I think the Observer's, that's the end of it. 
think there will be a pass down, you know, passing of the torch or baton moment. Um, in terms of Conrad, I, it would be fun for me to host a podcast. I don't know if I would ever even have the time to be able to do it. Um, we've talked uh, on ad-free shows about, you know, panel paneling uh, shows. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the new uh, show with John Alba, Up for Debate. We've kicked around those ideas. Um, I, I don't know if I'm an on-screen guy. I don't know if I'm a radio voice guy. Uh, I kind of don't like being out in front. But at the same time, it's hard not to want to be out front. Sure. But I'm perfectly content being backstage and behind. Um, so I don't know if there is a progression. I don't know what the next step would be. I don't know if there's even an avenue at that point in time. Uh, I can tell you this. I do not want to get back in a professional wrestling ring. I am perfectly fine never refereeing another wrestling match. Uh, announcing, sure. But perfectly content spending the time I, I spend now and sounds shitty to say there's no aspirations but i don't really know what else is there left to continue to strive for without it making much sense give me an idea of some relationships that you've built with some people um that have stemmed from your obviously your work with the observer and dave and and ad free shows as well anybody that has kind of come into your life professionally um associated with wrestling that you have really started to uh to make a good bond with I mean, Conrad's one of them. It's hard. It's hard not to to bring that up, just because, you know, before the pandemic and when I was looking for you know extra income, Dave was the one that said, "Why don't you reach out to Conrad and see if he needs help with anything?" Knowing Conrad was launching shows, um, it's hard not to to put into words the impact he's had, just in general. Um, we don't talk wrestling which I think is what's fun. Um, we just talk, it's it's a business relationship and we'll bullshit back and forth about sports, but legitimately it's here's our, here's our schedule and here's what we're doing. And from the observer, I've had people reach out to me and try to feed me information. Um, I'm not going to mention names because it would probably disrupt some companies out there. Um, I think working with Dave has given me like a sounding board for people of wanting to run ideas by before hitting Dave up for ideas, if that makes any sense. Um, Dave has a tremendous amount of clout in this business. That I don't think he really gets a lot of credit for. Um, there's a reason why Vince called Dave when the invasion began or before the invasion began to pick his brain on it. He's, he's very fucking knowledgeable when it comes to this business. Um, there's a reason why Japan reaches out to him on a regular basis regarding things. There's a reason why people from America reach out to him to try and get a connection to Japan. So he's a player of the highest level. My connections have just been guys I've worked with on the Indies and been able to, to grow and, and continue friendships and things like that. You know, I, I've had Eddie Kingston sleep on my couch when we were doing Indies way back in the day. And it's great to see Eddie, you know, continue to prosper and, and want great things. That's kind of the rewarding part of this, but I get a lot more shit when it comes to being involved with the observer sometimes than the other way, because people think it's just all bullshit. And it's hard sometimes when people try to bring people down for no reason other than just, this is what I feel like doing today. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's fun to see the connection now more than ever of Twitter, social media. Um, but yeah, Con- Con- without Conrad and and the rest of the you know Paul Bromwell and John Alba and a lot of the staff at App Free, you know, it's not a family, so to say. You know, I, I think that's really corny when people are like, "Yeah, we're a family." You're you're not a family, but at the end of the day, to be able to, did you hear this? Did you hear that? Did you hear this? That's fun. And it's a circle. Um, but it's also fun when people from the other, from one company picks on the other company and it's like, Hey, did you see this shit? That's, that tends to tell you what's going on in the locker room. And that's, that's fun too. Just from a wrestling fan perspective, let me ask you this question between the two big companies, mm-hmm. AEW and, and WWE right now, do you feel like, AEW's maybe plateaued at some point in time here, uh, or do you think that the the ceiling they still have not come come close to reaching their potential? I don't think they've, I don't think they've plateaued. I don't know that I agree with their booking of people that can bring eyes to the product quickly. Um, Punk debut was gigantic, but nothing really came of it. And then Danielson debuted, and that was gigantic. And Cole debuted, and that was gigantic. And I think they're having a hard time trying to figure out what they are now. And that's okay. It took Vince, and, and I know no one really wants to remember this, it took Vince years to go from point A to point B. When he bought out his father, it was, all right, we're going to put the belt on Hogan. And then lightning struck. And then everybody forgets there was a really, 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 really long down period. Jim Crockett Promotions took a long time to get into a quote-unquote national powerhouse, and it took half that time for them to not sink but get hurt. I think you're it's way too soon for AEW to say they plateaued. Do they have growth? Yes. 100% they have the ability to grow. But if you're saying AEW plateaued, then what is the WWE at this point in time? And how do you measure it? How do you... How do you do you do it in TV ratings or the TV ratings not matter because the right fees continue to go up, but we don't sell pay-per-views anymore, but house show attendance has been quickly dipping. What's the answer? I think it's way too soon to put a pin in, in AEW and say they've, they've maxed out. Do I agree with all their booking decisions? Nope. But at the end of the day, you look at what TNA did you know, 10 years ago, drawing almost 2 million viewers to their TV show. WWE is not even drawing 2 million viewers to their cable TV show anymore. So what, what's really plateau? What's, what's, what's the height? Do I think we'll ever get back to the WWF, WCW wars? Probably not. I just, there's too much, too much selection, too many channels, too much way to get your content. Um, I don't think we'll have a, a wrestling war where there's 11 million people watching a professional wrestling show at the same time on the same night anymore. I think that, that has come and gone, but I think the medium has changed. I don't think, you know, people always talk about the, one of the highest rated TV shows is mash. You think you're going to get 90 million people to watch at the end of a sitcom anymore? You know, what was the last one that did something like that? Seinfeld. Seinfeld so was yeah. the t- right. So is the TV medium plateaued is, you know, our TV shows worse than they were 15 years ago? Probably not. I think they're probably better than they've ever been before, but how do you correlate that? Is that the correlation? If the correlation is money, then WWE continues to grow and will continue to grow with their rights fees. 
AEW is going to continue to grow because they're going to get a nice fat contract at their next one and possibly have more bidders than ever before because their content is, you know, they people want that demo. It, that, that demo is not bullshit. It's a real demo. When I do advertising on my dealership, I'm looking for that demo. I want 18 to 49. I want car buyers in that, you know, making 100, 100, 200,000 hours a year. That's the demo. And it's, and it, it's not bullshit and it's not, it's not a marketing ploy by Dave to promote AEW. It, that's the demo. I want that demo in all my marketing tools. So if that's the correlation and, and that's what we're judging people off of, I, I think it's too soon for that. Kind of on a different uh, note here, what do you like to do as far as free time? I mean, when you do free time, I know you, you mentioned your wife had mentioned, uh, you know, hey, we need to make sure this doesn't, you know, bleed too much into personal life and family time. And and I've definitely uh, been on the other end of that conversation as well. But what do you like to do? I mean, take wrestling and put it aside. You know, you're a family man as well um, mm -hmm. and you got a day job. And so what are you doing when you're just having fun with the family? Uh, love taking the kids out. Um, when it's one-on-one -on -one time with the wife, it's restaurants and hotels and things like that. Um, you know, just get away, uh, working a sales retail job for 48 hours a week can be very mentally taxing. Um, and then you add on, you know, the observer and Afri shows and all that. Uh, I, I consider those like my downtime, but I want to get the kids out of the house as much as possible. And, you know, I live in the Northeast, so the weather right now is not great to be able to do that. Um, but when it's nice out, I love going to sporting events, baseball, football, hockey, basketball, taking the kids as much as possible. Um, I enjoy going on vacations as my wife stares at me and is like, you know, it would be nice <laughs> to go on one again as well. Um, besides that, you know, free time is limited, but I'm okay with that. I like, I, I, I get very antsy, so I need something to do. And, and if I'm not doing something, it kind of drives me insane. Well, I will say this. Wives and girlfriends are the unsung heroes with everyone who is involved in some fashion or form in wrestling, whether it's podcasting or reporting. Uh, the biggest outlet there is, whatever it may be, they are very gracious and allowing you know us to enjoy what we do as well. And I think that's a big part of a relationship. Absolutely. And the fact that it's over sports entertainment silliness is just more power to them. But, you know. Uh, I'm sure when this is over with, I'll be watching Bravo probably because we need to catch up on the housewives and summer house. So we all have <laughs> our, we, we all have our, our likes and wants and, you know, forms of entertainment. So it, it all correlates together. It has been so much fun just getting a chance to talk to you and, and hear you speak so uh, intelligently on the topics of wrestling and your relationship with Conrad and Meltzer and your opinions on wrestling. It's, Everything you say is very crafted well and thought out and very articulate. And uh, I love having conversations like this. Is there any chance that we may be able to twist your arm and, and, and have another conversation down the road? Absolutely. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, tell everybody where they can follow you, all your information. Um, if they'd like to go ahead and reach out to you as well. Uh, my, my Twitter account is at Derek Sabato, uh, D-E-R-E-K-S-A-B-A-T-O. Uh, my DMs are open. Uh, feel free to tweet me. Um, I have nothing to promote other than AffreeShows.com. Um, there's no better value in wrestling, so take advantage of it. Um, I think you'll like some of the stuff we got coming up down the down the road too. 
uh, content and live events and things like that. So uh, take full advantage of it. And I know at freetrial.com, uh, for anyone who is not sure they want to sign up, I would definitely do that, uh, utilize it, and you'll find yourself probably in my boat with, with too much content and not sure what to do with it. And you can't ask for anything more when you're paying for a service. I love it. Derek, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate Guys, it, continue to follow him on social media, adfreeshows.com. Please, by all means, support them. Support uh, Dave and everything at Wrestling Observer and everything that, Derek, you have done for so many years helping him out. Thank you so much for your time, and we'll talk to you down the road. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. You got it. Take care. All right, guys. There we go. Um, I've had so many people ask me, hey, are you ever going to talk to anybody from you know, a major publication? And the very first one that came to mind was the Wrestling Observer. And Derek and I started chatting back and forth, and I said, hey, I think it would be great to have you on the program. And he is such an intelligent person. I'm not saying that uh, to, to blow wind up his skirt or anything like that. Literally, it's an old man phrase. But it's true, and it's neat to be able to have those conversations with people and to pick their brain and find out, you know, how did they get involved in different things? You know, I know people have asked me, how did you get involved doing podcasts? And I'll always tell them, you know, it's it's the squeaky wheel, you know, gets the grease. And working with Dave Penzer, and then after Dave Penzer, working with Mikey and Jerry, and then obviously spinning off into this as well. So if you want to be involved, absolutely, there's an opportunity. There's a platform for you. But I think Derek is the perfect example of if you're interested, if you want to be involved, step up, step out and let your voice be heard and let people know that you definitely want to be involved in. He was grinding since 15, guys. And that's the big thing that I've noticed with all the people that we talk to. They're all grinders. They all work really hard. They put themselves and they immerse themselves 100% in what they do every single day. Um, but what I'd love to hear with Derek is the fact that he's able to separate, you know, the wrestling life from the personal life as well. Give kudos to the spouse and how much he loves being with his kids. I think when you really start to follow someone or you really start to gravitate towards someone, it's all about who they are as a person, their character. Um, there have been so many conversations I've had with Jerry and Mikey that go way beyond what they've ever done on TV, it just as human beings, as men, as husbands, as fathers. Um, it's just really cool. And it's neat to see he has such a good relationship with, with Conrad. He has, Conrad has treated me uh, very well in the past as well. So got nothing but respect for everybody involved. Wow. I am really long winded tonight, but uh, once again, go ahead and continue to follow um, Derek on social media. And uh, with that being said, don't go anywhere because we have so much more. The panel is coming up. Our friends from Canada are going to be here. We've got the hotline that'll be open. I'm sure ECW fan is going to have something to say. We're going to talk about all the headlines that are happening in wrestling right now. Once again, we will be taking your calls and hearing what you have to say. Don't go anywhere. It is for our material. It's Tuesday night. We'll see you in a few. I'm too sexy for my love, too sexy for my love, love's going to leave me. Rest in peace. I'm too 
sexy for my shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. So sexy, it hurts. And I'm too sexy for Milan. Too sexy for Milan, New York, and Japan. Take it. Sexy for your party. Too sexy for your party. No way. I am disco dancing. I'm a model. You know what I mean. And I do my little turn on the cowwalk. Yeah, on the cowwalk. On the cowwalk. Yeah, I do my little turn on the cowwalk. back to front row material my name is mike freeland it is tuesday night so many things that we want to get into uh you just heard a great interview with uh the wrestling observer and wrestling observer derek uh was amazing so if you didn't get a chance to catch it interview in its entirety please make sure that you go ahead and go ahead and catch that interview as soon as this show goes off the air um and if you haven't gotten a chance please 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 go and download all of our prior episodes as well. We're available anywhere where you find your podcasts. We're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher, we're on Apple iTunes, all of those places we are available when it comes to podcasts. All right, so a lot of things I want to talk about this week. The very first thing I want to talk about is what in the world is going on when it comes to wrestling. It it kind of boggles my mind. In some ways, you think that You've seen everything there is to see, and then in some ways you find out, well, guess what? We haven't seen everything. Sometimes things surprise you, and sometimes things really don't catch you off guard. We got WrestleMania season happening right now. We got some things happening in AEW right now. And I feel like some of us have an idea of why some of these things are happening, but yet I feel like there's still a lot of unanswered questions. 
Right now, let's go ahead and let's bring in our first panelist. He's a very, very good, dear person, a longtime friend of mine, and uh, you know him as Liam Savage, but tonight he's going to be going by the name of Donkey Dong. That's me. So, Liam, first of all, how you doing, buddy? It's been a full week since huh. we had a chance to, uh, to chat last. What's new with your life? Well, I uh, already told you uh, earlier in the week that uh, my brother tested positive for COVID, and he lives with us. So, uh, yeah, it's been quarantine for this whole time. I'm fine. Don't everybody freak out. I'm fine. I'll be okay. But... <laughs> You know he's he's on the men now. He was doing pretty uh, pretty poorly there for a bit, but I think he's on the men, so that's good. Uh, but yeah, it's basically the last day of quarantine. Back to work tomorrow. So there you go. It it never stops, does it? No, there's never, always, never in my life. There's always something that happens. Um, awesome comment from ECW fan. I hope your brother gets better. That uh, that goes for all of us. So send our love. In our support to your brother and, uh, you know, to anybody who's dealing with this, because this is nasty, guys. This is the real deal. Please take it seriously. Um, Do what you got to do, because there's been so many lives and families have been impacted. So just always keep people in your thoughts and prayers. It kind of opens up my eyes, too, because I know some people don't get it as bad as others, but I thought it was just his allergies because he has some allergies sometimes. And every like once a month, maybe it'll act up. So he was home from work and I was like, oh, it's his allergies. And he starts getting worse, and I'm thinking, oh, this is not good. And then uh, he tells me, he's like, yeah, I'm getting pretty bad. So happened to have a couple of rapid tests at home, gave him one, and uh, I was uh, sitting there in the basement. <laughs> he texted me, said, positive, sorry, bro. And I went, oh, shit. So oh, I had to call man. work right away. They didn't seem, work didn't seem like they gave a shit at all, which is great. So, because they're real good people there. And they managed to spread it to my entire shift as well and let them know when they're supposed to be uh, keeping that uh private apparently so that's uh that's always good so uh can't find a new job soon enough it's funny this whole pandemic has sometimes it brings out has brought out the best in people and it has also shined a very bright light in the worst of people and you know you would think employers yep. would understand and whatnot but um not everyone's cut from the same cloth and not everyone has the same level of ethics so yeah it's in it's bad just because they're they're a huge employer in uh, canada and uh I mean, so you can pretty much guess, oh, well, yeah, that's the way it would normally look. If The, the bigger the employer, the, the worse off they seem to treat their employees. So I'm not going to tell anybody here who I work for, but people that know me uh, probably have an idea. So, yeah, let's just leave it at that. Well, we're glad that you're here. What is the beverage of choice this evening? What is the... Uh... Um, I have, what is this called... It is Han- Hanlon's Point uh, Coconut Coffee Porter. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Very nice. I That's love good. anything that has a, a coffee flavor to it. I'm, I'm a big fan of the yeah. coffee flavors. Yeah, I like the coffee stouts and coffee porters. So this is uh, just drinking nice right now, and it's from, uh, it's from uh, Toronto, Toronto area. So local, good stuff. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Jersey Devil, just want to give you a shout out. It sucks my son tested positive last month. Jersey Devil, you're in our thoughts as well, my friend. Hopefully. Yes, sir. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Like I said, awesome comment from ECW fan. Um, Travis Bohab's in the house. What is going on, Travis? Good to to hear from you. 
Travis um, reached out to me earlier today about it. <laughs> he heard me talking to uh, Blue Meanie on Blue Meanie's podcast about it. And, nice. Uh, yeah, so Blue Meanie was like, oh, so so sorry to hear about it. And his, uh, his co-host Adam uh, was talking to me about it. And uh, Travis sent me a text out of nowhere. Oh, yeah, shit, I didn't know. Are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I don't really, you know, try to get attention with stuff. So, yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> Very good. Uh, let's go ahead and let's bring, uh, let's bring our other panelists in here. He's also from Canada. He's part of Sniffers Row. Looking good as always. I call him the ass man. He's Mr. Butt, but you know what? He's our guy. How you doing there, Butt? I'm doing okay. How are you? You know what? It is what it is. As the macho man would say, another day, another dollar, just trying to keep it going. That's right. Keep that clock ticking. Um, Officially 61 days left in the school year. Uh, not that I'm counting, <laughs> but I'm counting. Uh, it's been very interesting. You know, working with teenagers, the one thing I've, I've realized teaching in middle school is, man, it's, it's, it's night and day, literally. One day everyone is, is getting along and everything is fine. The next day everyone is angry at each other and you, you, their storylines amongst each other is crazy. It is harder than trying to keep up with wrestling storylines, but that's the it's way so it is. Show. <laughs> it is. It is much like our show. I would agree with that. Um, so many different things in wrestling, but is there anything that's uh, new going on with you before we jump into the topics, but um, not really. Actually, I've all got a little bit of an order for a couple of the toys I make. It's going to be all right. Yeah. Everything I get, we'll just donate into the to the food bank at the school my wife works at. So that's awesome. That'll be all right. Should work out to about a thousand bucks for him. So wow, that's tremendous. Yeah, that is tremendous. Happy Good about for that. You. Heck yeah, I'd be very proud of that. Just got to hope not to cut off a finger doing it. That's all. <laughs> Safety first, my friend. Safety and make sure you wear those goggles as well. I don't wear goggles. You don't wear the goggles. You can you can get the uh the the wood chips in your eyes, right? Uh, okay, all right. I have glasses. Touche. I have taken to wear a hearing protection. You started to do what? Wear hearing protection because I'm half deaf. So. Oh, I, I was not aware. Mm-hmm. Well, you still got a sexy ass beard. I'll tell you that. It looks good. It's not bad, eh? It looks Fresh good. Out of the shower, buddy, just for you. Me. I'm a blessed man, I tell you. You are. Um, I am Dwayne514. What is up? It is so good to see you again here in here. Um, we got so many things, and some of the stuff you're talking about here is definitely some of our topics we're going to be discussing. The first thing I want to go into with both of you guys is probably uh, the, the biggest news right now. Mm. What's going on with the Cody and Brandy Rhodes situation uh, it had been reported earlier this morning that they had officially announced that they had left AEW. Um, she was the chief branding officer, and obviously Cody was one of the EVPs, along with being under contract for talent. Uh, Dave had reported, along with major other outlets all over, that that was that. Uh, he had been wrestling under a contract since December, um, and they tried to get a deal done within the last six, eight weeks. Nothing came to fruition. They pulled the lawyers back and said, we're just going to have to say, see you down the road. I'm going to go to the butt first. What's your take on this? And are you surprised? Yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, he's one of the uh, founding fathers of AEW. So uh, him leaving is a pretty big deal. 
uh, was it a money thing? Well, who knows? There's, I've read a couple reports that it was a it was a straight up money thing. Um, you know, I don't know. Khan's got it. Uh, I don't know if it was just a matter of, you know, uh, with Cody having so much going on with his TV show, uh, that uh, America's Got Talent type of show he does and stuff. Uh, I, I don't know what what the background who it all was, but you would you would assume it wasn't a talent or a money thing, uh, unless he just wanted stupid money. But and there's also a rumor he's going back to going back to Vince. I mean that'll be that'll be interesting. Freeland's probably gonna have a fucking stroke if he does that. I'm sure. <laughs> I uh, mm, gosh, it's interesting to see what happens. Definitely surprised if if you've seen this coming. Well, you're probably full of shit. Let's be honest. No, you can't tell me people seen this coming. No, no. I mean, even when someone wrestles without a contract, you, you typically feel, especially if it was an EVP. Um, or somebody really close to the the foundation of AEW that something would get worked out at some point in time. I mean, there's there's way too much invested in the company to just kind of walk away. Now, I have heard that there was potentially, once again, this is just something that I read, um, that maybe ownership as well, maybe a partial uh, ownership of the company um, might have been something he might have been interested in and whether or not that that was something that was kind of nixed or wasn't something that was willing to be on the negotiating table might've been something. But once again, at this point in time, we really don't know. Um, the only people who know is Tony Khan and, and Brandy and Cody. And I'm sure until they're ready to talk, uh, they're probably not going to say a whole lot, but Liam, what's your take on this? Do you feel like we had heard about some inner turmoil going on with the EVPs? Um, and, and we knew that it was speculation at one point in time, you know, is Kenny still talking to Cody? Are the Bucks still talking to Cody, but not Kenny? Um, where does Adam Page fit into all this? What's your thoughts on this whole situation? Do you think too many cooks in the kitchen as far as friendships are concerned when it comes to business? I just think um, I think that it comes down to the fact that when you start a company, um, you know, obviously you have the best of intentions and you have it really laid out in the positions you want. And as time goes on, not everything works out. I'm not suggesting that Cody and Brandy had any problems backstage because it seemed like everybody backstage was fine with them from everything I've heard. Um, what came into play, obviously, was the contract negotiations and... Uh, that'd be a little odd if Brandy was working there, but Cody wasn't. That'd be just a little, you know, different, I think. So, obviously, they're probably a package deal, so we're going to go together. That's fine. What I what I find uh, interesting, though, is that a lot of people <laughs> are saying, oh, is this a work? And this is the funny thing, because when you look at this industry, this is the only industry that the wrestlers and the fans are all trying to work each other all the time. All the time. All the time. So, I understand when some people... Hello, Anton. I understand how some people will look at this and say, okay, I don't know if this is 100% true. Is this a storyline? Because we're programmed that way to think Oh, that. yeah. I, I get that in a sense. But if you got an actual official letterhead from Tony Khan saying that's it, and from Cody and Brandy saying, that's it, 
What more do you if want? They went back, if they went back on that, the fans would leave in droves because they'd say, we can't believe a fucking thing you're saying anyways. Uh, and as far as him going to Vince, that's the obvious choice. And there's been talks about them uh, talking, both sides talking. I mean, where else is he going to go, really, right? I mean, there's there's other places to go, but not for the same stage he's looking for. So he's going to have to eat crow because... Oh. We all remember about the the break in the throne at the first major pay per view, right? Yeah, that's you know what that's going to bite him in the ass. I'm sorry if he signs with WWE and starts being booked like shit. We'll all know why. He'll be like, you know what? Are you going to take this and pay for your sins, and then we'll start to trust you again, or are you going to complain about it? So. It's all up in the air, but this is very interesting, and this is also marking the first defection from AEW, possibly, yeah. to WWE, which is big. It is big, and, and it's big yep. because it's one of the people you wouldn't necessarily even assume would be even yep. in that conversation. Um, I have heard also with Wrestling Inc., they have a, a great podcast they had mentioned before that there is some voices within WWE that have said that they love MJF, that they love Jade Cargill, that there's other people that they would like to pick off from the AEW roster as well. So I, I, whenever people say sometimes it might not necessarily be about money, I think money's such a big factor now these days. I mean, everybody wants more of it. Um, so maybe it's not 100%, but I mean, money is a very attractive offer um and maybe cody may have been promised a big wrestlemania spot at this point in time we don't know it could be a big push for him uh brock lesnar recently gave an interview and said you know wwe needs somebody to step up and stand out and uh, be a baby face to sell tickets and i wonder you know if you read the tv it's not gonna be him though it's not gonna be cody no. But you get my point, though. I mean, it's yeah, not, yeah, surpri- yeah, it's not surprising that they may be looking for, for somebody else. And right. um, MJF has mentioned many times, and I, this is probably all shtick, you know, that when my contract comes up, I'll be the biggest bidding thing. But but maybe it's not. Maybe it is very true. Um, it's 100% true. How could he not? He's huge in the industry. No, yeah, I, right. I, don't, I don't disagree at all. Uh, Anton, right. let's jump in on this one. We're, we're kind of starting the show off with the Cody Rhodes news that has been breaking all over today. What's your take on something like this? I mean, a, a founding father, like Butt said, of AEW, all of a sudden, hey, eight weeks, can't come to kind of contract negotiations. You know what? I'm out. So Jersey Devil made a super valid point in the group chat right there. Everybody's got a price. <laughs> then, yep. then, at the end of the day, most truthful thing we can even say about this situation, fact. It because y'all know how I look at everything. I see everything fucking weird. If y'all don't think he'll go back and eat fucking crow for some of the shit he's said and done, we're all, you're lying to yourself. <laughs> but Lesnar's comments accurate. But here's the thing: while AEW is building their brand, they're still building, you know, attempting to build people. WWE hasn't built a person since Cena. And we've made that comment. Y'all have heard me make that comment. They have not built someone to be the face of their brand since Cena. Roman Reigns. Reigns, yes, but not not the way they did Cena. Not the way they did Cena, though. And you know what I mean by that. Where it's it's the be-all, end-all, every little detail is pretty much built around it. Yes. You know, the reason being is, you know, when fucking people like that leave, 
And if they haven't done their job properly to elevate other people, they've shot themselves in the foot and they've proven that. Yep. But they've also proven that, you know, Hogan, Rock, Austin, it, it literally down the fucking line. So it is what it is. MJ, the MJF thing's fucking true. Stick or not, that motherfucker can name his price in a few years. He can oh, yeah. blank check, write your shit, do what you want. Yep. But if anyone actually loves the art of wrestling, you won't go. <laughs> no, At the end of the day, if you actually love the art of wrestling, I don't give a fuck about a paycheck. That, but that's my opinion. And the people who've been there know it. Do you guys feel like in some ways those who have worked for WWE and have gone over to AEW, uh, whether it was Punk giving his iconic promo when he first you know, came into AEW, he sat down, had the microphone, said, I left pro wrestling in 2005. I've come back to, to pro wrestling. You know, Do you feel like in the comments that Dustin Rhodes has made uh, in uh, Inside the Ropes, he's given some great interviews as well about how the inner – turmoil is so high within WWE and how he felt miserable. And I feel like when a veteran like Dustin says something who's been around for so long and does have a lot of uh, respect of the other wrestlers, if that would even enter the equation, you know, if, if a, a wrestler who has a chance to go to WWE would, you know, maybe pull Dustin aside or pull punk aside and say, Hey, listen, you guys have been there, done that wildly successful. You know how, the system and the machine works. Is this something for me? And if they would give them a real honest answer or would they say, you know what? It's about making as much money as you can before your body gives out on you. Deal with the bullshit and, and just go with it. Or do you think that they may say, I don't think it's the place you need to be. We'll, we'll throw it to Liam first. What's, what's your thoughts on that? I think a lot of the, uh, a lot of the decisions made these days are based on emotion. Um, we're going to start to see that happening more now. If Cody's the first to leave AEW, um, he's obviously feeling like he wasn't given something, pro probably money, but he wasn't given something that he was due. And we have to start looking at it like, okay, AEW had a really good opportunity when they started to become the anti-WWE promotion as far not not as far as bashing them but as far as like we're gonna take the product that the fans want and do that we're gonna listen to the fans in a lot of ways they do they do a lot of things right but they do a lot of things wrong at the same time and the way they have been going the last couple of months two three months as far as talent coming in and all that it's making it so it's they're blowing their opportunity because I, I saw someone post a meme the other day, all debut wrestling. <laughs> I was going to bring that because, up because like, and I'm not even trying to trash them. I'm just saying it's like the debuts will be big. It'd be like, Holy shit. Look who debuted two or three weeks later. Where, where have you been? Where have you been? You know, you take a world-class town like Andrade. He yeah, wrestled, was... what, three matches in that last year? Three fucking matches, and good on him because he's making a lot of money for doing jack shit. I was good on him. Andrade. Right, but, but my point is that if you look at it in those terms, they have to hit all systems go from the start, and if they don't, they're in trouble, and they're going to be in trouble because WWE is established. Yes, they are looked at as shit by a lot of people, but at the same time... They have everything laid out 
and they are almost in a rebuilding phase right now because of all the people they have let go. They're in a rebuilding phase, and they can start cherry picking who they want from the Indies and AEW. No problem whatsoever. Build back a better roster. It's going to happen. And I don't want to see it necessarily that way, but it's going to happen. But let me... Uh, hold on. Getting a phone call. Hold on. <laughs> this should be interesting. Prison phone call. Go ahead. Hey. All right, guys. I just uh, in my opinion on this Cody Rhodes thing, if he doesn't go to WWE... He should find some other venture outside of wrestling to make money or just do, like, one-off appearances, maybe New Japan or something like that. Because, like, like Donkey Kong said, if he goes back to WWE, <laughs> he is going to get buried. I can see Vince booking him right now in just the most embarrassing angles ever. I mean, I think we're talking about, like, Triple H post-curtain call Barry. Um, that's my opinion. Um, thanks, guys. Bye. Possibility. Yes. So, I want to bring up a butt point that he's brought up more than once when we've had these conversations. Oh, he said he did not want to see it become the land of misfit toys, the island of fucking rejects. That's... It, that comment you've made more than once, and it stands out to me for whatever reason. It's because I'm right. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. It's also the WCW logic, the impact logic. It's the things we've seen. And it's something mm -hmm. I can't dispute. And that's why when you've made that comment, I've steadily sat over here and golf clapped the situation. Because I'm like, yeah, no. As much as we disagree on shit, I'll give you fucking that one. Because you're right. You are wholeheartedly fucking right. And I will well, give let you me, that. Let me throw this out here. You know, I think for every person who looks at it from that perspective can also look at it from the perspective of there's been a bunch of people that WWE has mismanaged and not really allowed them to reach their fullest potential. So with that being said, I feel like there's a lot of people who could thrive in another promotion, given the opportunity that they're allowed to be themselves. And I feel like outside of the land of misfit toys, maybe just relaunching characters, relaunching wrestlers that really didn't get a good first start and now they're getting a chance to hit the reset button and go back and do something again. I've in what is that noise, by the way? What is that? Is somebody got origami going on? Or okay, what the hell is origami? <laughs> Japanese folding paper. Yeah, it's paper sounds art. Like... <laughs> do I strike you as an origami kind of guy? Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. God damn it, Mike Freeland. Um, yeah. Butster, so let me ask you this. When it comes to people, let, let's take the most recent people like Keith Lee. Um, we haven't really talked about that because he just recently debuted. Um, let's move on to that topic. Keith Lee, yeah. do you feel like that was a money well spent for AEW, in your opinion? Could be. I mean, it's obviously dependent on what they're paying him. If they're paying him outrageous, no. Uh, Keith Lee comes in, he brings... AEW something they don't really have much of is another big guy. Right. They have Wardlow. They have um, Lance Hoyt. Archer. Yeah. Archer, yeah. His name wasn't coming to me. Powerhouse. And Powerhouse Hobbs, fair enough. Yeah. And now they have Keith Lee. So it's, it's good to bring in another gargantuan dude. And he can wrestle. He can move, especially for a dude his size. So I don't think he's a bad pickup. 
it's but it's the same thing I've said so many times. To keep bringing more and more and more people in, there's only so much time. You only have so many hours of shows to put on. They keep bringing people in. There's just not enough. Their roster is way too big, and they do keep picking up everybody that WWE releases or quits or whatever. Yeah, it's great to bring in more talent, but you only got so much room. No, that's a good uh, point. Is there any point to bring in like Andrade to have him wrestle three times in a year? Why? What does what has he brought to your company wrestling three times? Talk. I'll answer that for you. Nothing. Not a goddamn thing because he's wrestled three times. Nobody's going to talk about it. Nobody cares. He's not on. That's irrelevant. Yeah. Yep. If you're going to bring somebody in, you got to bring them in, have them make an impact, have them on TV. But realistically, you just don't have the time because right now with the roster they have they're, and the people they've brought in from WWE, that's all dynamite is going to be is former WWE talent because all their big names are former WWE with the exception of who Hangman and Eddie Kingston and the Young Bucks. But even the Young Bucks, are anybody really care anymore? I don't know. They're getting a little long in the tooth. Never did. (laughs) The thing I would say is as long as they keep, as long as they utilize WWE guys correctly, um, and they still continue to push the homegrown guys. Right now, as long as they have their homegrown guys as their champions, I think that's staying the course. I think if we start seeing former WWE guys start winning championships, and then all of a sudden you see less and less guys that are AEW homegrown guys start to succeed, I think that's going to be a problem because just as much as Vince always would stack rank wwe guys over the wcw guys who we came in afterwards they were like the stepchild um as long as you still keep sammy guevara as a champion as long as we still keep somebody like uh an adam page uh champion or whoever else becomes the next contender for him as long as we keep the tag titles within aew and we use the wwe guys to help get them more recognition and we position them differently i think that can work but no, I agree completely now. I, I didn't say this before, but the, the roster is bloated. There's a lot. And and I would not be surprised if we start seeing a lot of other contracts not being renewed for the simple fact that they just have to let people go. However, not everybody is getting a fat paycheck. I can tell you that for a fact. Um, there are a lot of guys who make less money in AEW than they make in WWE. So they said the average base salaried contract would be about $300,000. That is still lower than what they would pay the guys. That's almost like an NXT salary. And that's not like a a Raw or a SmackDown, quote-unquote, main roster salary. So from that perspective, yeah, not not a whole lot of people are making a ton of money. It's that upper echelon that's kind of bloated right now that they might need to reshuffle that to a certain extent. Uh, Liam, what's your take on the, the Keith Lee situation? Do you feel like he was worth picking up, or do you think that they should have just let him go. There are, it's getting to a point where you, man, the, the people they've signed, um, and I know Khan has the money. We understand that. That's not to be disputed. But you want to be profitable at the same point. And we understand they've only been going uh, what, two or three years now. Right. 
So you want to hit that five-year mark and start to probably show some profit. And if you haven't, not going to be looking too promising. So here's the problem. Everybody that becomes available that is upper echelon talent, and we all think Keith Lee is, he just has not been portrayed that way. <coughs> this guy is main event talent, in my opinion. Sign him. Now, if you're signing every other fucking person that just happens to become available, this is a huge problem. NXT never did that. They picked and choose. Okay? And as far as answering, as far as, like, homegrown talent and all that, if you want to look backwards, look at WWF in the 80s. All their top stars that I can think of were made in other areas. Hulk Hogan, prime example, AWA. He yep. was made in the AWA and then got the icing on the cake when he went to New York. Junkyard Dog, Mid-South. Yep. Butch Reed, Mid-South. Uh, Jake Roberts. Uh, yep. You know, you, run Jim the list. Duggan. Even Bobby oh, Heenan and Gene Okerlund. Right. Mm -hmm. it, just run the list, and you'll see that WWF got to a point with those talents, but nobody ever thought, oh, you know what? That guy was in Calgary. He made his name in Calgary. No, nobody said that. You know why? Because it didn't matter, because they were the dominating brand. So if you get to a point with AEW where it's like, yeah, there's a lot of former WWE talent here, but they're just talent. They just happen to work there. If you have someone like Danielson or uh, FTR, any of those guys that are all incredible talent, I don't care if they're champions, because they fucking deserve it. Right. And Anybody can win those titles. You want to have a homegrown talent that will get to that upper level, but only if they deserve it. Jade Cargill has very big potential, but she's not there yet. Okay? Oh, no, I'm good. So that's my point, is if you want to have homegrown talent, you have to make sure they're actually at a level that is worth it. That's all I'm saying. Sammy Guevara is there. Others, not so much. Are we worried overall, you guys, that they might not make it 10 years? Is anybody concerned about that, or do you think that's not really a concern? That's a money pit. They'll make it. They'll yeah. make it. They get the cash. Yeah. Uh, unless Khan's just like, this is not the playground I, I thought it would be. I'm packing it in. I can see that. Happen. That would be the only way it fails. That is something like that. TV deal. If they were to lose TV for whatever yes. reason, the ECW situation where no matter how much money they're owed from pay-per-view or whatever, they can't catch Didn't TV matter. deal. Yeah. Bye-bye. That, They'll that, always have a TV deal. I believe that as well because fuck, look at if, if Impact can somehow make it work for 20 fucking years and they don't have the budget. Well, difference is Heyman wasn't, he he was losing money for years before they even got the, T, the TNN deal. Correct. Yes, that's the I, difference. I meant impact. I said impact there at the end. Yeah, but at ECW but yes, before yes, though, they yes, lost yes, their deal yes, and yes. they were done. Yes. Yes. But they were right. owed, you know, they were only in their whole yep. time period they'd only lost what 7 million and they were owed 3 yes. by the pay-per-view. Yeah, that all of that's fucked up. They yes. they should still be in business at least for that period. Here's the thing uh, that I, I keep coming back to, you know, if I'm Tony Khan, I I would as much as I'm a wrestling fan, 
I would sit down and I would say, all right, I can't do all of this. Well, I don't that. I don't know all of this, meaning I have the that, money. That a lot of these contracts have to go now that some people that he thought would be here for a while. A lot of them are about to be restructured, gone. The people that were there on two and three year deals in the beginning, yes. some of them are about to not be there. But I mean, somebody like is is Gabe Sapolsky still available out there right now? Is he out? Is I would he's, assume as far as I know, be. he is. Why he is, yeah, he, he got let go a few months ago. Yeah. Why don't you bring in somebody to be your booker? I mean, honest to God, Tony could have That's somebody go. Oh, you did. You've said this for months now. Have yeah. somebody sit down with Tony, go over these things, and say, "Hey, you're a wrestling mind." I love wrestling, but I need somebody else to have an outside perspective on this. What they really need is this kind of almost like a salary cap. If I'm like, and it sounds it sounds a little preposterous, but you know, rein in those finances. Okay, have a certain amount allocated for younger talent. Bring them up the right way, and they can be stars. But you have to have a limit. You can't just say, "Well." I got a couple million burning a hole in my pocket. Let me sign Keith Lee or something for three years on right. that. You know, the, like the amount of talent they have in that that promotion is is it's ridiculous. Like Pac, look at Pac. I love one him. of the best high flyers of the last fucking decade, and the guy yes. doesn't do jack shit. It like I, this is a company I would really like to see succeed, but it's like holy shit, man! Like have some more business acumen. Actually follow. What needs to be done properly, do not burn all that money by signing people that just are on TV once every six weeks. It's ridiculous. Do you think this could have been a reason why Cody was getting frustrated? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the point is we all knew this was going to happen eventually. We knew all those people that got signed were like, okay, this will be good for them for a while, but eventually they'll be let go because they aren't being used properly. And now a lot of people are starting to be let go from there. Very quietly, but they are. So you three can answer this a little better because you're much, you know, the, the age thing, the wisdom. Oh, you're trying to uh, find a nice way I'm to say it. trying to be nice about it. But you all thought you. No, hold on. Hear me out. Uh, so y'all grew up on territory wrestling, at least in some fashion. To a point, yeah. Much more than I did because I grew up on syndicated wrestling, but not, not you know, traditional territorial wrestling the way y'all did. So what about that old school saying of absence makes the heart grow fonder? They even did it with Hogan and WCW. He was not on every television show. He was not on every TV. There were periods of time where you didn't see Hogan for six to eight weeks. Why? Well, one realistically contract. That's there's what a difference. To. But absence there's makes a difference. the heart grow fonder. If you see him he... every fucking week. No, I, I agree. Definitely difference in people, but. He's like Brock Lesnar has taken his position now where it's like he's only there sometimes. But you have to look at the megastar Hulk Hogan was. Him and Austin are 1A and 1B for popularity as far as the business goes. Yes. In history. Yes. And if you can get someone like that and put them on every few weeks, I understand. But some of those people are going on every few weeks and they are not there. There's no chance of them getting there. Well, there's a few guys who I think they're doing well with. And I would say... Whether or not you like him or not, I think Max Caster uh, definitely has a shot. He definitely yeah. has a shot. I think from a talent standpoint, he's got it. Um, I, I really think Anthony Bowens is really good. I think, to be honest, they should break the two up instead of being a tag team. Uh, I think Bowens would succeed much better 
Another group that I think are doing is the Gun Club. I've slowly mm-hmm. watched them start to get better and better and better. And they had a great match with Jurassic Express. And I thought that was really good. There's some other people that I'm high on as far as the up and coming people. But like, there are some other people that I just don't quite understand, like Serpentico or Luther still being there, taking up some money. Um, He'll be gone. He'll be gone. Yeah. Luther is there as a trainer, and him and Jericho are are pretty tight. I think that's why he got brought in. As bad as it sounds, he's, he's almost a. Uh, dare I say charity thing? Like, hey, we'll bring them in, get him some cash, get him some work, and he's the booty man. Probably about it for Luther. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to say who this was, but I was on someone's Twitch stream and I was just watching them, and they were doing a Q and A sec a session, and I threw out an, uh, "Hey, would you ever do an interview?" And this individual told me, "Yeah, I do interviews, but it's going to be big money, like big money, to sit down and do an interview with me." Um, I, I'll tell you all who that was uh, off the air, but literally, I just sat there like, "What? Like, are we being serious? Or are you, you you pulling my cord here? Because there's no way, no, there's no way that this person would command big money." And he even said this. He was like, "It's a he, so there's one clue. There. Uh, big money. I mean, huge money for me to do an interview. So I feel like some of these guys could go." And go back on the indie circuit and do their own thing. Um, Joey Nutella, I think definitely he could. He could. Go <laughs> he got <as> well. part <laughs> of it. <laughs> Joey Nutella. He got. He got, he got <laughs> jelly. jelly. Oh, jelly. Jelly. I know Nutella. what he meant. He tried. Yeah. I tried. Yeah. But he definitely has gotten himself in better shape. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely he, done that. Um, but yeah, he's better in the ring than what he was. He's improved. I mean, he's still no technician, but he's better than he was. Correct. And maybe he needs to continue to grow and mature and get better and maybe down the road come back at some point. But yeah, I still think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of trim in the fat that needs to happen. So on the note of that, though, like and this is going to sound a little jaded and cynical, but you'll understand at a certain point. Like I give anyone, you know, the time to get the reps in, learn, get better, etc. Everyone gets that fucking time because it doesn't take the same amount of time for everyone. Like, think about it. You know, they say Austin was clicking in within two years. Angle was attacking Matt in fucking six, you know, six, you know, the first day, really. But within six weeks, like, he's like, he knew where to fucking put it. He just had to be shown. But then there are people. Nutella's been wrestling since he was a fucking minor, dude. Like, he was like 14 or 15 years old wrestling illegally in your area. Yeah, but hasn't there been a lot of guys who've lied about their age and gotten in? Yeah. Every bit of in his 30s and wrestling half his life. Ah, <laughs> no, ah. Well, look what he was doing. He was just doing like that death match crap. All right, fair. fair so fair. that's not wrestling. I'm not gonna rack you in the head with a chair to make me a wrestler now. Well, I think one of the things that needs to be brought up though is that. Uh, wrestling, and it, it sounds like an old man thing to say, but wrestling will never be the same as it was in the glory days. And the reason being is that you good. would get those reps in going town to town to town to town, working 300, 400 matches a year. That too. And But you know what I mean? It, you get the repetition and you start to learn. And sometimes some of those wrestlers back there were saying, 
It took me till I was about seven or eight years in, and then the light bulb went off. Seven fucking years. And that time. is being on the road all the time. This is never going to happen again. So you're going to have to accept that some people are never going to be to that level. And then some people will take to it like, like a fish to water, like Braun Breaker. It'll happen with some, but it's never going to be like that ever again because you need those reps and they're just not getting it. I am Dwayne514 writes in. Any thoughts on Chris Van Bleet's tweet on Impact Wrestling getting one five-star match while AEW has, there, has had 13 five-star matches within two and a half years in existence? Do you hmm. think Dave Meltzer is biased? I, you know what? Hold on. Let's yeah. talk about some of these matches, though. Some of the matches that got five stars, I mean, I think the one was uh, Omega and Danielson. I think that got a five-star, which was really good. Um, I think it was the uh, the Revolution tag team match where it had the Bucks versus. Oh my gosh, was Lucha it? Brothers? Yes, I think was that was it. That fucking cage match. It was that it fucking the cage, cage match. match. Fuck out of here. Match. It was, Fuck out of here. It wasn't the cage match. It was. He just uh, said it's not. Connor I was going to say if. Fuck. Sorry, it cut out. I misheard. It was. Uh, it was at you, Revolution. You I want to say it was a couple of years ago. So, but but uh, there have been some really excellent excellent matches. I don't necessarily think it's biases. I think they're just good matches. Mm. Well, you know the problem is though is that you see if you look at the tweets and it just happened. Like I don't follow either Alvarez or Melter, but they come up because of the topics that I'm looking at. Right. And the one thing I always notice is they are always quoting figures about AEW. When the hell do they say anything about WWE unless it's negative? I barely ever see it. There is your fucking bias. Now, if either of them works for AEW, whatever. Not my problem. I don't follow them anyways. There's some validation in what Chris Van Vliet said. Because if you really look at it, Impact back in the day, they were doing some very... Like, fuck, look at Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle. Mm -hmm. How do you not get that fucking five stars? You know, here, here, uh, the, the three-way with Daniel, Samoa Joe, and AJ Styles. How do you not fucking get that five stars? You know? And nowadays, every other fucking week is a five-star match. Fuck off. Well, hold on. It pisses on me off. Uh, let's go ahead and let's talk Who about... hurt you, Liam? I'm not talking about the guy you had on. I'm talking about Maltzer. I know he works on the same thing, but yes. Anyways. Let, let's talk about this, for, for example. The first five-star match happened on May 25th of 2019. It was the Cody versus Dustin match. Okay. Excellent match. Okay. So match. would we agree that excellent. that was an excellent match? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, the, the other one I was quoting before was the August 31st, 2019 Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks. That was nope. at, at um, Revolution. All right. So, you, okay. We say no to that one. Uh, Kenny Omega versus Hangman and Hangman Page. I'm sorry. This is the one I'm talking about versus the Young Bucks. So Hangman, Hangman and Omega, who were the tag champs defending against uh, the Young Bucks. That one got one. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this one, he will deny this vehemently. However, many outlets claim that he was behind it. Uh, best Friends versus Santana and Ortiz. It was the parking lot fight. Fuck off. And that, that was, was a great. I love that match. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Too. I loved. I actually enjoyed that. I enjoyed that and for you, what it was. And you know who yeah. who 
will vehemently deny it and give all the credit to Tony. But you know who a lot of reports came through who was putting that together? Gary Lane. Our boy, Mr. JL. Now, so, next one, Young Bucks versus FTR at full gear. Too much of a clash. Like, no. Big like, clash. Okay. My issue with Young Bucks and their matches is it's just a spot fest. They, for the most part, they don't sell anything. It's just, you know, you could drop them on your noggin and they'll bounce right back up and, you know, triple jump, moonsault, handstand, fucking hurricalucha, thingamabob, doojiggy, DDT. <laughs> Okay, well, what do you think about the Lucha Brothers? What's a do-jibby? What's a do-jibby? I'm going to have to run that past Excalibur. But what do you think about the Lucha Brothers then, Bob? Because they're they're almost of the same caliber where they just kind of like perform a move and then it's like sell for half a second and okay, next. Almost, yes. They they are cut from the same cloth. I don't think they're as bad as Young Bucks are. I find the Young Bucks entertaining. I'm not saying they're not entertaining. But okay. they are spot fest wrestlers. Just less do that, That's what it is. What we're saying. Yep. Uh, the next five star match was Omega versus Ray Phoenix. It was New Year's Smash Night One, <sighs> January the sixth. I don't remember it. Okay, that tells you everything. Uh, the next one was the Young Bucks versus Death Triangle. <sighs> so. I want to point out that I see a pattern. especially Sorry. as heels, I like the Bucks. I like the old school Shawn Michaels style fucking bullshit they're doing because that's what it is. It's right. what it is. But, and I've heard them say this in an interview with Jericho. When they started doing the spot fest bullshit, it's because they were opening match and they had no time to do anything. So instead of going out there and doing a five minute match with no holds, they fucking just went, fuck it. We're going to go do what we want to pop the crowd and have fun. When that was the case, it, it was different. It was cool. It was understanding. Because it was different, cool, what the fuck ever understanding. While it didn't tell a story, it was still different. But now here we are 10 plus years later, and everyone does it because of your asses, and it's no longer different or inter-fucking-taining whatsoever because everyone does it. The next Terry five, Funk, the next five star down, match. Or think you've slowed down enough? Slow down more. The next five-star match, uh, and I had even given all of the things because it's the some of them are over five stars, like this one in particular is 5.75. Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers, and that's the cage match. They put the tacks on the shoes. The, if, fuck what, off. what does it for me, what makes me truly go fuck that match is the standing super kick shit where no one fucking falls, the dude falls, pops back, that, that whole situation spot what the fuck ever that's what makes me go fuck this i'm out it's all right so our next one is brian danielson versus kenny omega yeah that was was pretty good okay that was a great match yeah oh man it's a a work (laughs) our next match is the super click uh which is the young bucks and adam cole versus jurassic express and christian cage wow that wow. was a good match, but it was not five stars. Yeah. Our next one is Kenny Omega versus Adam Page, full gear for the title. Story-wise, yes. The how long it took them to get to that story and everything, fuck it, yeah. Our next our next five-star mm-hmm. match was Hangman Adam Page versus Brian Danielson. Winter is coming on December yes. 15th. Yes. That 100%. was a good one. 
Uh, Cody Rhodes versus Sammy Guevara at Beach Break, which recently just happened, where the ladder match. No, yes. God, no. That was terrible. I like that match. I like that oh. match. It was fucking god-awful. A lot of people were saying that might have been one of the better ladder matches in oh. the ladder match. One-on-one, obviously. <sighs> wow. So that is all of the five-star matches. Um, so we're Georgia talking Devil the people who, who encompassed it was Brian Danielson, Kenny Omega, Young Bucks, Lucha Express, um, the Super Click. Um, Pack was in it. Obviously, that's Death Triangle. So... So, yeah. Do you know what the overwhelming arching theme there is? Young Bucks. The Young Bucks? Well, that, but I was going to say people who suck Meltzer's ass. <laughs> I don't know how much ass Not me. is going on. I have no idea. I meant, the, I, I I meant overall, like the, who was it? I've heard someone say forever that uh, Meltzer puts over people who give him information, whether it's good or bad. I think it's Bischoff who has forever said, it doesn't matter what you tell him as long as you're communicating with him, he'll put you over. I think uh, it might be that situation. Once again, yeah. once again, it, it, this mm-hmm. is what was rated. I would say I agree with a chunk of them. Not necessarily every single one. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go with the cage match with the tacks on the shoes. I definitely wouldn't go with that. I don't think I would go with the super click versus uh, Lucha Express and Christian Cage. It's a good match. I wouldn't say it was a five star. Do you, do you know what I do you know what I think though? It's like it's kind of weird because the way he would rate matches in the nineties to now, it's like fucking night and day because the best matches he would always say in the nineties were in all Japan, which is what I'm always raving about. Nineties all Japan, eighties all Japan. Incredible, incredible wrestling. And long matches, but you'd just be on the edge of your fucking seat. But that's all strong style, and nowadays it's all the flips and everything else that he marks out for. And that's fine if that's what he does in taste change and everything, but how does he go from strong style 80s and 90s Japanese wrestling to, you know, fucking Cirque du Soleil? I don't get it. It, it just For me, there's a disconnect, but what do I know? Also, the one of my favorite matches of all time is that uh, the Ingram... It's the mind games match between mankind and fucking Shawn Michaels. And yeah, good one. spot where Shawn Michaels one. dumps the mat on him and just jumps on it. He yep. does not rank that match that fucking highly. And I'm sorry, but that match is fucking beautiful story wise. Like it, it, that's the match where Shawn Michaels finally proves he is more than a worker. Like he can actually it brought him to a new level. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It proves he can truly grab a fucking gear and make it look like a fucking fight. And so, yes. He, and Meltzer shits all over that. So I don't know if this is all of them, but this is the ones. Where's the origami again? <laughs> Who's got the paper folding? I'm just sitting here with my beer. That's what is the know. what is the paper folding? What's the clicking? I hear something. Uh, Liam's just getting drunk. All right, uh, everyone's <laughs> got really. their hands up. Like no masturbation going on here. Nothing to see. All right. God damn it! Uh, I didn't really- say that. Ray, Razor Ramon Shawn Michaels gets a five star match March twentieth of ninety four. Uh, Which Brett one is that? That's uh, that's WrestleMania or SummerSlam? WrestleMania ten. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, that uh, was good. The next one he gives Brett versus Owen SummerSlam ninety four. Yes, that was the cage match, I believe. Yes, I think yeah, that was uh, 
Brett versus Stone Cold Steve Austin, WrestleMania 13 of March of 97. Perfection. Yes. Right. Yes. Perfection. Let me, let me see what we got here. But it's got uh, Bret Hart, so what do you expect? Yeah. Uh, Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker, In Your House, Bad Blood of 97. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, I don't remember that one. Pop, debut of Kane. It's the first time. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> CM, CM Punk yeah. versus John Cena, Money in the Bank, 2011. Yes. Yes. It's when, it's when Punk leaves. Yes. Yes. Uh, John, uh, Johnny Gorgano versus Andrade, Philadelphia, NXT. Oh, that was, that was great. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, bear with me here. <laughs> Got dial up. Um, Adam Cole versus EC3 versus Killian Dane versus Lars Sullivan versus Ricochet versus Velveteen Dream. Was the ladder match? Yeah. North American title yeah, uh, tournament? Yes. Yeah, yeah, NXT yeah. TakeOver New Orleans, 2002. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty yeah. good. It's Johnny, good. Johnny Gorgano versus Tomasa Champa versus NXT TakeOver New Orleans, April 7th of 2018. Is that Always good. Um, the Moxley and cut up the mat. Yes, and then so, it was yeah. the handcuff thing. Yeah, I actually enjoy that one. I'll, yeah, fuck it. They were all good. Yeah. This one I don't all remember. their matches should be Yeah, that, that whole story's great. Yeah. Yeah, it was a uh, great story. Mustache Mountain, which was Tyler Bate and Seven. This is the Undisputed Era, Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly. This was on yeah. NXT TV uh, in 2018. I remember that. You yeah. know what? You know what one actually gets forgotten though, and I have no clue why. Is um Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan at they got to go to takeover to face Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Or, awesome. No, I'm not sure it was not Kyle O'Reilly. It was, uh, it was, oh, it might have been Kyle O'Reilly and Roddy Strong, but my God, just fucking unreal. And and it actually resulted in O'Neill Oregon getting a dislocated orbital bone Ooh. in the end of it. But it was incredible. Incredible. And I uh-huh. never hear yeah. anybody talk about it. Uh, maybe we'll get to that. So we have oh. Adam Cole versus Johnny Gorgano, 2019 NXT TakeOver New York. Adam Cole yeah. versus Johnny Gorgano again, and this is NXT TakeOver uh, 25, 2019. Tyler Bate versus Walter. Yes. Oh, that yes. was so good. Yes. So good. NXT, yep. Uh, Walter versus, oh, I can't even say the name. Uh, L- oh, Ilya Dragunov. Yeah, Dragunov. Thank you. That was, that was incredible. That was incredible. Okay. Well, uh, would they? I guess they did it twice. Yes. Um. So both great. Both, both of them. Let's see who else did. And that those are all the five stars that that he has given them in their company. Hmm. You yeah, know, what really surprises me is is what actually. There, I can think of at least three off head that should be on there that aren't. One of them as a spot fest thing. Two of them story wise. And the spot fest is Hell in a Cell '98 because that's a fucking car crash waiting to happen. But when people are like, oh, wrestling's fake, that's one of the first things I show them. I'm like, hey, watch this. It's a fucking that's car a crash. story. Yeah. Yes. Then <laughs> Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania. Love yep. that. The fact that that's, that's not on there, come the fuck on. And then Taker and Shawn. Taker what about Hogan Rock? See? <sighs> uh, to a point. I mean, I, I, love I, it, I don't, don't understand why I love that it, but I don't. That's more like, the show, the showmanship. Yeah, and and that and that's what wrestling is. But yes, that's but yeah. You're yeah, not going to want to sit there, and you're not going to sit there and see 
chain wrestling for yeah. like 10 minutes, you're not going to see it. Yeah, no. You're not going to see you a know. fucking Jerry Lynn and, you know, Mikey Whipwreck chain, no. you know, chain wrestling fish out of water spot. You're not going to see the triple Lindy no. from Tajiri and Mikey. No shit like that. It no. is what it is. Yeah. Oh, also, I personally want to add the Shawn Michaels fucking Hogan SummerSlam 05 match into this as one of my personal five-star matches just because I love that match. I love the whole parody. That is 96, seven Shawn Michaels at his fucking finest in a new era. Love it. Mm. I don't give a fuck. I see it. I'm a Hogan guy, and, and that just kind of... My mom's last name is Hogan, dude. I'm Irish. <laughs> Hogan's not an Irish name. Yes, it is. It comes from O Hogan. Yes, it's Irish. It's Irish as fuck. Yes, it is. Yeah, Excuse it me, is no. because there's a story oh, how Vince McMahon Senior wanted Hogan to dye his hair red. Yep. So, here's a phone call. Ecumon, you're on the air. Uh, I don't know if this is a five star match by Mel. I don't really give a fuck. But one of the first matches that I remember watching was like ten years old. Was a SmackDown match with um, Rey Mysterio and Chavo Guerrero, and I quit. I just thought it was really good, and just I just hated hating Chavo so much for beating the shit out of Mysterio. I mean, that was one of the worst. That was uh, one of the first times you like, oh my knee, my knee, you know. And you see it on the Do Not Try Home video thing forever, you know. It just the hatred, and he loves Eddie, and he just doesn't give a fuck what the crowd says. That's so just, in my opinion, one of my favorite matches. Uh, thanks, guys. Bye. I like that. There he is. He's right. No, I like the story there. Travis says Hard- Hardy's and Dudley's from uh, Rumble 2000 is one of his favorite spot fest matches. I agree. Fuck. Any TLC, Hardy's, Dudley's, Edge, and Christian thing, yeah. you can add in his best spot fest fucking thing, and I'll accept. Yeah. Can we put Royal Rumble 92 in there? Because. Sure. Sure. That was. Sure. I loved it. I don't remember it. It's when uh, it's the first time that the belt was declared in a rumble, or the first time that the winner got the title shot. It's one or the other. I can't remember. Oh wow! So I just pulled up some information here. So when Meltzer, nineteen eighty three, when he started doing five star matches, so he, uh, the, I guess, the very first one he ever did was Tiger Mask versus Dynamite Kid for nineteen eighty three. I accept that. That would have been a damn good match. Yeah. I, I can't say half these names, so I'm just gonna. Where's Where's Mike Cook? Uh, Barry Windham versus Ric Flair. I would agree that was 1986. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sheep Herders, Butch, <laughs> Butch, Butch, and Luke versus the uh, Fantastics, Bobby Fulton and Tommy Rogers. From where? Uh, let's see here. It was NWA Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Tag Team Tournament in '86. The Fantastics faced off against the Sheep Herders in the quarterfinals of the 86 Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup. So, hmm. I was trying to look up for some WCW stuff. Um, Ricky Steamboat, Ric Flair from 1989 Chi-Town Rumble, which is a really good one. Ricky Steamboat versus Ric Flair Clash of the Champions, 89. Um, you got to throw in there Ric Flair Sting, Great American Bash. You got to throw in uh, Harley Race, Ric Flair, I think, for the NWA Championship. I thought that was really great. Um, Was this the I Quit match? No, this wasn't. This was Class of the Champions, 1989, Terry Funk and Ric Flair. You know, I'd like to know who probably has the most five-star matches from Dave Meltzer. 
I, don't even you. say Kenny. Don't, don't I'm, even. No, and that's, I'm I can tell you that. who. It's not even me being you, a dick, dude. You. Like, it's, I it's can tell you who. Who's, no. who's got it? I would venture a guess that it's probably Mitsuharo Misawa from who? All Japan. Jersey Devil says Mitsuharo that. Mitsuharo Misawa. Jersey Devil and I Am Dwayne also say that as well. They second you, Liam. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he was like... Him and it was either him against Kawada or him against Saruta or him against Kobashi. Any of those matches, they always got like four and a half, five stars every time. Look All it right. up. I'm telling you. No, no, no you're right. You're right. There have there have been 197 matches awarded five stars or more. Masawa um, has the most with 25. Told you. you so go. out of 197, he's got 25. Wow. There you go. Striker could speak for himself. He was excellent. Some he was also the second the Tiger Mask, too. Isn't Eddie the third? Eddie was Black Tiger. Oh. Uh, the third was Koji Kanemoto, I believe. Yeah, cool. Fuck. Yeah. Doesn't matter, does it? It's fucking Japan, right? So. <laughs> I'm just sorry. I'm, I'm ignorant to it. I don't know. I am Dwayne makes a great comment. Look at this shit. Learn is well, a terrible wrestler back in the day. No. He that was the all Japan thing again. Yeah. Depends who he tagged with, you know? I tell you what, I should have more than just than just two. You know what? Mrs. Baba, um, Giant Baba's wife who helped run All Japan, she had she loved Six John Laurinaitis. matches? No. Yeah, she loved him though. She absolutely loved him. So he always got pushed in those t that tag scene. He was never a real big single star, but tag scene, yeah, he was big. Nice. Um, let me comb through here really quick. There's so many things to, to we could talk about, but just so little time. Oh, the Super Bowl. <laughs> the Super Bowl was this past weekend, and congratulations wrestling. to the Los Angeles Rams. I'm, 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 I'm weaving it into this. Oh, okay. Uh, congratulations to the Los Angeles Indian Rams who defeated the Cincinnati Bengals in a very, very competitive uh, game, 23-20. Uh, it has gotten the highest uh, rating in the last five years for Super Bowls. So congratulations to that. Uh, just a, a tough blow. I think a lot of people liked Cincinnati just for the underdog aspect of it. And I think they'll be around uh, again. Uh, how soon, I'm not sure, but I think they will. But what I will say is The Rock. Did you see The Rock before the game started on the field doing the whole talking and all that? It was really – that was really good. That was that was so well done. So, yeah, uh, the song he's playing is a song he's done with Tech 9 that uh, you – I'm a Tech 9 fan and have seen Tech 9 – like 15 times live thanks to music festivals and random shows uh -huh. i can tell that tech nine wrote it but because the rock is the rock i like the delivery it's on point but that man is so desperate for mainstream attention at this point and i'll tell you it's a rapper i like but he is so desperate for fucking mainstream attention at this point he was so super stoked the rock was playing and mentioned the song but no one gives a fuck they just care that the rock's on it <laughs> and so it i don't know i laughed and i wanted cincy to win for you fucking Freeland. Like I wanted them to win for you just so I could be like, fuck yeah, Freeland. So my my whole family is is I love the show. Bengals fans. So 
I wanted Rams to win and Freeland to take my bet so I could get a free T-shirt. <laughs> I knew that, but that's besides the point. I didn't want to. I didn't want to do anything because I didn't want to jinx, you know, the game. I like, oh yeah, I think they're gonna win because that always comes against me. Um. So we got a couple of comments people have written um, about uh-huh. Cody and Brandy leaving. Uh, this is Amanda Huber. She says, "Words will never be able to express my." gratitude for Cody his friendship guidance and compassion have influenced the past 14 months of my life more than anyone else I'm lucky to call him uh, a friend ride or die friend forever here's to the future and cheers Ricky Starks went on to just post a um, an image of those two after a TNT championship match where they're smiling and shaking hands uh, Jade Cargill wrote I'll take the Codenator with pride and style. Thank you for an unforgettable uh, banging beginning my career. Thank you forever. Uh, is that how she got the title? The bang? The bang? Is that how she got to the top? Uh, no, no, no. no. Let, Roads let's... to the top! Woo! To an unforgettable banging beginning to my career. <laughs> you guys are oh. sick. You guys are a bunch of sick Hey, she wrote it. You're terrible. Uh, Sammy Guevara just went ahead and tweeted a picture of both of them shaking hands in the middle of the ring. And finally, uh, Dustin Rhodes said, I love my brother, hashtag Cody Rhodes. I love my sister-in-law at the Brandy Rhodes. Whatever they decide to do in life, I support 100%. I am sad that they are gone, but the fucking train keeps moving. Hashtag LFG. Uh, Dustin Rhodes also, in addition, made a comment and said, you know, for everybody who might be wondering what's going to be happening... He said, no, I'm staying in AEW. I love it here. I have no plans on ever leaving. Yes. So that's so that's that. Um, let's go ahead and let's kind of move on away from... Comment in the group chat. Comment in the group chat. The Austin like a... Owens thing. Oh, well, that's what I was going to get to. Hey, sweet. I'm making sure. I'm sorry. I wanted to talk I'm about not, that. Hey, hey, you interest. think you can do this? Hey, hey. hey it takes me. a long time to sit in a dead end chair. Shut your ass. Oh, goodness gracious. All right, let's move on. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kevin Owens is being teased for WrestleMania. Um, I am Dwayne is saying, is Stone Cold cleared to wrestle? Uh, I have no idea from a medical standpoint if he is or he is not. I wonder if this might not necessarily be a match, but what they call a street fight. Um, I'm not really sure what would happen here. We started to get the inclination that this was going to be something that may happen at WrestleMania when uh, Kevin Owens started running down the state of Texas. And obviously we thought for reasons for WrestleMania, cause it's going to be there. We thought, Oh, okay. Maybe that's just, you know, him trying to get heat or whatnot. Austin has not wrestled since 2003. This is probably not a good idea. This is 19 years later. Um, his neck, his knees, his back. He's 57 years old, I want to say. Once again, we've seen older people wrestle. Flair, Hogan, Sting, Undertaker, etc., etc. However, my big question is why? Like, what's the, what's the big takeaway? I mean, obviously, outside of a payday, right? Payday is a big thing. But why? Why would you come back? Is it because... You know, Kevin Owens slash Kevin Steen uses the stunner, and maybe it's going to be, you know, I, I have no idea. I don't understand the beef. I don't know if this was something that was promised to Kevin Owens, like, hey, stay with us, resign. 
you will put you in a match at WrestleMania, blah, blah, blah. Maybe this is his WrestleMania moment. That's why he re-signed. There's a lot of things we just don't know. Um, I'll go to Liam first on this. What's your thought? Austin coming back. Do you think this is going to be a crowd draw or do you think this is going to be another? Uh, <laughs> I love what was the what was the phrase? I love you. Goodbye. Or what was that phrase? Okay. Um, in my opinion, why they're trying to bring Stone Cold back is because I heard ticket sales were down and they're trying to get interest with him being a hometown guy, you know? In my opinion, they shouldn't do this. They should have put Owens in with, in a feud with someone else. Because this does nothing for Austin. It only hurts Owens. He's going to take a stunner. The crowd's going to pop for a minute or two, and that's about it. Also, another thing, uh, Freeland, I'm sorry about your Bengals. I really wanted them to win. Um, I know the last week you said the, J- the Jets are going to be in the Super Bowl. I doubt that as a Jets fan myself. Because as long as Woody Johnson is the owner, we're just going to be the New York jobbers. And the only way we're going to get good is he sells the team or dies. Thanks, guys. Bye. Whoa, did he say Woody Johnson? Yeah, that's his name. He's the owner. Whoa, that's amazing. Yeah. That's great. Liam knows, Liam knows his name for next week. Yeah, we got Woody next Johnson? week sorted out. <laughs> oh, I thought I had a good one for next week. Shit. Okay, Woody Johnson. <laughs> so, okay, let, let, let's dissect this, this Austin situation. 2003... Yeah. I don't know if this is, if from a health perspective, the best idea. No. I don't. No. no. So, it's not. Let, he, let's, go, needs, let's go to Liam first. He needs to leave that in the review because it's not going to work. I'm sorry. Like, I mean, I can think in my head of what happened when Bret Hart came back. It was a great feel-good story. He finally came back to the company, made amends with everybody. That was great, but... Him going against McMahon? Holy shit. Like, and that, and that's me talking about Bret Hart, who's like my number one. I don't want to see that. Like, I want to think of him. He was champion again when he came back. He was like U.S. champion or something, I think. Yeah. And it was ridiculous. But I want to think him as prime Bret Hart, 97, just in fucking perfect symmetry with everybody, full gear, Perfect. That's what I want to think of him as. Uh, Steve Austin, I mean, I was never a massive fan. I respected what he did. It was it was when he started doing the brawling thing that I was like, oh, you know, whatever. Before that, yeah, great worker. I understand he had to modify his style and everything, but, like, these days, it's been so long, and... He's even expressed that he doesn't really have the itch anymore. It's like it kind of went away, you know, as time went on. So I don't think it'll probably happen. He doesn't need the money either. He's got lots of money. Lots of money. He doesn't need it. And to do that against Kevin Owens, if you didn't have Steve Austin win, the fans would fucking loot the place. So, like, what's the fucking point, honestly? It's a lose-lose. If they didn't pull the trigger on it with Punk a decade ago, in which yeah. it would have really worked. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Owens. I love that Austin gave Owens the stunner to use. But yep. he shit on it the first time he ever did it and told him, look, if you're not going to do the kick in the stomach, don't fucking bother. Yeah. So 
did make sure he does it fucking right. Co-signed it nowadays. But yeah, it's if that's part of how they convinced Owens to sign is we're going to fucking beg Steve to come out of retirement to fucking either put you yeah. over or fucking, you know, lose to you. It, it, eh. And Austin is my original favorite fucking wrestler. And I will tell you that he's, you know, he is. And it'll break my heart. Don't fucking do it. Please don't fucking do it. Please, please do not fucking do it. Don't. Mm -mm. I would much rather think about the last time I truly saw him in a ring and not the Bischoff bullshit or the Goldberg Brock shit. None of the weird shit that he's done the last decades, you know, two decades since. But the one more round on the vest, the going out, you know, looking at the lights. And that's the one time they ever shot his entrance from the back instead of the front. And it's little things like that that make that whole story beautiful to me. Please don't ruin it. Don't fucking yep. do it. Don't. Uh, let's start to the butt. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, 19 WrestleManias have gone by. 19. This will be the 20th year that he has been gone. What's your thoughts? Do you think this is a good idea, or do you think this is just, once again, a ticket-selling opportunity to try to pack the place as much as possible with as much nostalgia as you can? Yeah, that's all it is. They're just trying to hot shot, bring him in. You know you'll sell, sell more tickets. But where does this go further? Like you can't, you're not going to make a storyline out of it. And you know, once again, you bring him in, he's going to win. So now Owens looks, you know, lesser. We'll say, you still have nothing for him to do. It doesn't make any sense. The only way you could make it work is if he did like a run in, maybe something like that, but not an actual match. I'm not saying a run-in is a good idea. It's not as shitty of an idea as having him in a match. I just don't think he'll be able to pull it off. And last thing you want is to see him come back after 20 years and, you know, I mean, he's in rough shape. We all know that. He was in rough shape when he retired 20 years ago. Correct. Right? He gets in the ring. He can't move or something. He looks like hell. Nobody wants that. So just I love but just keeping it real. You look like shit. Come yeah. on. You well, couldn't do it. No, then. but am I wrong? Like, I'm no, not you're trying right. to be a prick oh, about it. Right. Hey, have no, you seen I'm just being straight up? I have mean, you seen pictures of him want. without a shirt on? Like with, with no tan, no shirt sometimes. He'd be fine. His, hey. his arms are still pretty big. Last uh broken skull sessions. Still got some guns on him. I don't know about anything else, but but you, would, you just don't want that to, to be your, your last yeah. thing. Hey, you remember when he came back 20 years later? Mm, well, yeah, I wish he didn't do that. Michaels. Who from, who yeah. from, yeah, who from, who from yeah. Texas could you have come out, former wrestler, that's not? You could I, have Booker T. Yeah, that's about it. You know, Not Terry. That... Shut up, Matt Terry. No, not, I'm saying not Terry. Not Terry oh, Funk, obviously. Right. Because oh, he's too like old Matt, for What was the guy name? He was uh he was in TNA. Was it was it Matt oh. Terry? Sure. Oh god. Terry Taylor? Was it Terry Taylor? Um <laughs> anyway, keep the conversation going. I'm gonna look this up. The gobbly gooker? Yeah. I I uh I wanted to say though that like as far as people like overseeing Rob welcome, Terry. Rob Terry. Who? Okay. Oh, Rob Terry. Yeah. Okay. I know that. But as far as people overseeing their welcome, and then they end up like becoming kind of degenerated, and it's like 
you know, I'm and I, I'm only trying to intersperse it with how you guys are talking about this because it's like you don't want to see someone come back and ruin their legacy, right? But there's also people that hang on for too long and they're not the wrestler that they were in their prime and it kind of lowers their stature. Um, is once again Mitsuharo Misawa because he ended up having spinal stenosis and he died in the ring from a German suplex. And it's like when I think of it in those terms, it's like when he died, he was probably he probably should have been done about four years before that, but he figured he couldn't because he had to keep pro wrestling Noah going as the top guy because there was nobody to take his spot, and he ended up dying in the ring. So I'm I'm just I'm just trying to like kind of throw it out there. It's like there's there's ways to think about it. Like you don't want to overstay your welcome. You don't want to come back when you almost had a perfect ending. You don't want to pull Shawn Michaels. Basically, he had a good ending. Don't want to come back after that. On the well, I got a list here of all the wrestlers that are from Texas here, and I'm looking <laughs> at them, and most okay. of them are dead. So it's like yeah, ten thousand of them dead, dude. No, they are. So okay, here are the people that are still alive. Okay. Michael Hayes, Kerry Von Eric. You could technically go. Kerry Von Eric. You could <laughs> stop it. You could go. This is not going to happen. I'm just saying. Uh, Sammy Guevara, Chavo Junior. could go. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Um. Now Barry Windham, that couldn't work out. No. Um, there was a wrestler named Wife Beater. Had no idea. Um, <laughs> Wife Beater. He was in CZW. He's that the guy was Chris Bobby that Duncan was Chris Jr. Hero's original passed, name too. Correct. Bobby Duncan died a long time ago. Junior, yeah, he died. Yeah, a long time ago. Uh, Keith Lee. He's from Texas, but obviously he's not. He, Paul London. He's not dead. He won't be back. No, John Layfield could. Um, the Undertaker. Mm. Uh, no, nope. Jesse Sorensen. Did he? No, he's still around. Ooh. Broken neck. Uh, Tito Santana still around. Tully Blanchard, Booker T, um, Lance Archer, yeah. uh, Mark Henry. Mm. That's not going to happen, obviously. Nope. <laughs> Several uh, Stan- of those are not going to happen. <laughs> hey, Stan Hansen. Oh, I'd love <laughs> Stan Stan to come back one more time. Hey, I, I would pop for that. Yeah, I would flip out if I saw that. Oh, and then fucking boom! <laughs> oh. <laughs> Incredible. So, hold on though. <clears throat> oh God damn it! So everyone's either dead. <laughs> Or this is not gonna work. It's really not gonna fucking work, dude. There's no one in Texas y'all can bring in for this shit. There's not. There's fucking not. (laughs) Spitting dip everywhere. (laughs) Did you guys ever see that when he spit it all over Missy Hyatt? He had like dip coming out of his mouth. Fucking incredible. He's like, oh my god! Get the fuck out of here! (laughs) Screaming at her. Oh, the note of ruin legacies, though. Bruce has forever made that comment about the Crusher, how he would come out in his 60s in Milwaukee and throw kicks and punches, and the crowd would pop, and he would leave, yeah. and it was still over. That's all yeah. good and cool. And, like, fuck, it still works for Hogan. But Shawn Michaels, from his time in 98 when he, you know, retired to 02, no, I'm yeah. not doing it. I'm eating chocolate chip cookies now. No, if I can't go be the Shawn Michaels I was, I don't want to do it. In yeah. so many ways, that's Austin. And Austin actually realizes it. Austin's actually smart. And I don't mean this as a jab at Sean, but it, it is. You know, you can't really throw enough money at Austin to actually make him go, mm, fuck it, I'll come out of retirement for that payday. Because he knows he truly did kind of leave at the height of what he could all in all 
issues included, and etc. And he even says it though. It took him to like 06 of drinking damn near daily huge amounts of alcohol to overcome that desire to be in the ring. Why are you going to try to relight that fire or fuck with the way that that ended? Hold it. Light that fire. Wasn't that a Bret Hart song to like... Oh, it's a Doors song. Yeah, it's a Doors song. Come on, baby, light my fire. Y'all never played the Ed Sullivan show again. There was a Bret Hart. played the Ed Sullivan show. Oh. I've known you all my life. Oh, that that was that Shawn Michaels. Uh, Tell me a lie and say you won't go. Yeah, that was great. (laughs) God, just tremendous. You won't go. Look at the show. And he's got the tears coming down his face. Oh, you know what I have to say to that? (laughs) (laughs) Good God! Oh my gosh! Nothing gets somebody over like a oh. They can bring out doot doot doot. They could. I mean, they could. They could bring him back out. <laughs> Bad Street Atlanta. He'd get a pop. <laughs> he would get a pop if they brought him back out. Yeah, oh, right. I'd flip out. It'd be amazing. My mom loves Michael Hayes, dude. I'd flip out. All right. Who doesn't? Michael Hayes is fucking awesome. Oh, fuck yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to address this topic uh, since we've we've kind of gone all over the the map off here. Off the rails. Um, yep. Uh, Mickey Henson slash Mickey J, uh, referee mm. from WCW and WWE, unfortunately passed away. He was aged 59 years old. He um, passed away due to a battle with uh, pneumonia that he gotten from COVID. Um, he had been taken off life support uh, a little after six o'clock. Uh, I believe it was last night. So WWE paid tribute to him last night. And um, yeah, so. Once again, not to try to bring the conversation down, but I did want to at least mention that. Yeah. He's a good ref. Yeah. Very good ref. I I remember him from when they would still actually mention referees. You know, yeah. Yeah. WCW and the whole SmackDown era of WWE. And that's something mm-hmm. I miss for starters. Fantastic fucking referee. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yep, he'll be missed. Hey, does anybody remember the, the guy, the referee who... I want to say he was in the early 90s. He had the bowl cut and the mustache, and he did the weirdest three count where, like, when he put his hand up, he would – and then he would hit the mat. He would Have a spasm? His, no, no, no. Like, early 90s, he had a bowl cut. I don't remember what his name was. If anybody in the chat can find this guy and find the way he would do a three count, it was literally like he had a spastic episode happening. You know what would – Like a, a medical emergency. Do you know what bothered me with Nick Patrick when he would do the the one two three? He'd go up and he'd have the floppy hand and go one. He, yes, he did. He did the two, floppy hand. Uh, three. And I'm just like every time I'm watching it, going like, why is nobody yelling at him? Just like, can you not flop your hand every time you're about to do a, a fucking hand of the mat? Like, weird. Yeah. He was Maybe the floppy paying hand homage to Michael J. Fox. God damn it, but. Wow. Yeah, God before he it. got Parkinson's, yeah. Yeah. That, oh my gosh. Good stuff. God damn, bud. I'm trying to look <laughs> up this guy's dude. name. Dude. It is so sensitive for. There was, that, there was a there was a Kirby Enthusiasm episode where Larry David is fighting with Michael J. Fox over a parking spot, and Larry David said that Michael J. Fox is faking his Parkinson's to get an actual parking spot in this building, and he like started fighting him and stuff. Oh, great stuff. 
That's fucked up. <laughs> it was good. It was good. Oh, yeah, no, it's great. I have a very <laughs> fucked up sense of humor. Y'all all know that. <laughs> like, you're, you're making it up. You're not a, you don't actually have Parkinson's. Oh, yeah, fuck you. And he start fighting. Oh, it's great. <laughs> fighting with a dude who actually has Parkinson's. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Where? <That's fucked> <laughs> <laughs> I need Where to see this. <laughs> I need to see. Good stuff. It's funny. If anybody can find this guy, hopefully I can find him. When I find him, you'll know what Bowl I'm cut talking. referee. Bowl cut referee, WWF. What? He did this spastic body motion whenever hey, Leo, he would do a three count. Up? He he refed um the Piper Piper oh, Brett at what? eight. I, was I think he refed Piper versus Brett at WrestleMania eight. Uh oh, um, Gil something. I don't know what his name is at all. Oh, I'm trying. It's it's all on the top of my tongue. Damn it. I mean, I've got it right here. I got a picture of this guy. Show it. Uh, let's see. He had the most spastic. Let's see. Uh, Alright, <coughs> right, I'll pull it up. Give me a second here. Don't give me shit for my tabs being open, so... Always. Uh, share screen. Anybody in the chat, give us, uh, give us a hand here when you see it. Oh, yeah. Oh, that guy. Oh. Yeah, I've seen that guy's face. Yeah, the guy's face. face. Did you ever watch the way he does a three count? Yeah, a long time. No. Not, spastic. not a long time, but yeah. He is spastic. He looks like he's having some type of convulsion slash seizure. I have no Chilling idea. Nick Patrick. <laughs> Free Nick Patrick. <laughs> oh, my God. He was just like, <laughs> and he was just, <laughs> I thought he was going to, like, throw his rotator cuff out. I was like, <laughs> it was horrible. It was like, geez, oh, Pete, somebody just... Do something with this guy. He's like a Freelance. anyway. How much do you Ugh. like South Park? What's that? How much do you like South Park? I've never seen it. So what? Special, I would say there's a special kid on there named Timmy, and he's in a wheelchair. He's a paraplegic, like he's he's an electric wheelchair. He can move and stuff. But all oh, I can say is his name, kind of and it's well. Timmy. And a lot of the time it's Limina, Limina, Tama. And that's what I just got from what the fuck you just did was <laughs> Limina, Limina, Tama. <laughs> it's just if I could pull Damn it up, the Brett, the Brett, and I can't pull up YouTube right now and and have it on our show, can't? Eh, it's all good. All right, fuck it. Let me try. Let me try to pull up this. Can this I be guy. the voice of reason, considering I have a YouTube channel and I can't post that stuff? Can I be well, the voice on. of reason? Let me <laughs> see if I can just pull up really quickly. Okay, this fuck guy's. It. <laughs> This what if I fucking know? <laughs> Don't listen to the dude who edited shit. The fuck do I know? He's gonna be pissed at me. It's, it's your fucking show. You go for it. I'll make it quick. Um, oh, that's what she said. I always do. Alright, mm. let's see. Commercial. Let me get past this. I'm just going to go to a th to a to a uh, a fall and see if I can. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if you can, but I've been flagged uh, for five seconds. So 
All right, he, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Just go ahead and watch WrestleMania <clears throat> eight. Watch go. the match. <laughs> watch the match between Brett and him, and um, the whole Goldbrick in and all that kind of stuff. It's so good. But when Goldbrick is that Goldberg's cousin? I think, I think it's a it's a second cousin. Oh, when, when he does this, it's so good. Because he looks like he's having some medical emergency. Anyway, I'll stop. God, he's such a tool bag, too. I mean, wow. I'm sure the guy's a nice person. He just, he he looks like he got denied after a job interview at Dollar General. So, Dude, he could be a fucking psycho killer. You wouldn't know. Oh, I'm sure he's a he nice person. Know. He could fucking beat people. You never know. You never know. Right. So, so go watch that after the show tonight. WrestleMania 8. You're going to see this pumpkin pie haircutted freak uh, doing a three count wow. with these two guys. Jesus Christ, Freeland. Yeah. Is that a jab at my hair? No, I like your yes. hair. <laughs> I'm just giving you shit, dude. Ronald McDonald's <laughs> hair. That's what you got. All right, so does anybody else have anything they'd like to talk about before we say our fairly wells? We'll go around the horn here. We'll first go to the ass man. You got the floor. Uh, what would you like to talk about? Literally anything. Anything that's on your mind. Nah, I'm good. Life's good. Things are going well. Uh, yeah. Be good to each other. Don't be a scumbag. And that's about it. Stay safe. Good deal. Let's go to uh, let's go to Anton. Anton, what's on your mind? Literally anything. The floor is yours. I haven't had a cigarette since November 29th. I've used excellent. Vape. I've used you. a couple of those disposable vapes if I drank too much. But yeah, chewing toothpicks and still sticking to my lozenges. So nice. All's well. Trying to be more productive, staying on top of projects. I also got to do something for Moondog that he asked me to start like a month ago. Too much going on. So, but I'm well. I'm well, guys. So, it's good to see you all again. I've missed you fuckers. Excellent. Well, we have always missed you, but the Return of Anton episode got a uh, really good number. So, good shit. Yes, here he is. <laughs> okay. No, please don't do that because I'll fucking drive to Cincinnati. Uh, you don't drive. I'll fucking steal a car and do it. I don't give a shit. Okay, the one thing I wanted to bring up was Mustafa Ali. No. Oh yeah, please, please do this. Do you have a driver's license? Hit no. Jim Cornette. I'm sorry, Anton. Shut please, up. Please continue. Please continue. I'm sorry. Okay. Um. So the thing I was going to bring up is Mustafa Ali. <laughs> And I understood, to a point, him asking for his release. I didn't like the fact that he did it publicly, but whatever, right? Now he got denied, and he's saying, well, I guess it's another two years, guys. So I sent him a reply, and I said, you know, I, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have him from me, but, you know, you should shut the fuck up, <laughs> except the fact I... I it, not exactly in those terms, but this, you know, I'm just paraphrasing. But you should accept the fact that you sign with a company who you know their history, you know how they act towards certain people, and you're making more money than I could imagine I would ever make. Shut the fuck up, finish your deal, and then go somewhere else. Normal people don't do this. It's only wrestlers, it seems, that, like, you know, have this crisis and they go oh no they didn't let me let me go so i guess i'm gonna start bashing them and make myself look like a fucking asshole so i ruin myself to potential employers in the future do you think anybody wants to hire this guy when he's acting like this 
No. I have your and exact if they, word. And if they, oh yeah, yeah, please go ahead. Don't Anton sign a contract with a promotion you know the history of without expecting some issues. You make you're making more money than I can dream of making, and yet you're complaining. Seriously, man, any respect I had for you before is long gone. Stop bitching and own your choice. There you go. That's what I said. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I I don't like the fact that he's bitching about it. He needs to shut the fuck up. I I don't make anywhere close to what he'll be making. And he's barely on TV. And I understand his passion is for wrestling, but holy fuck. Get your priorities straight. You know, like, if you sign a contract, just fucking own it. Realize maybe you made a mistake. Wait it out, and it'll be done. Oh, God. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Also, Anton, your hair looks like the mix of Ronald McDonald and Grimmy. I'm not I bad. like it. Thanks, guys. Bye. Yeah, agreed. Whatever the fuck he just said. <laughs> Back to you in the studio. <laughs> wow. Wow. Unbel- it, it never stops. It Get never- the fucking camera off me! <laughs> <God damn it>. <laughs> <laughs> Shit! Man! <laughs> it's been on me for fucking five minutes now. All right, so I do want to say, um, did everybody get a chance to say something? Anton, you got a chance. Yeah. Everybody got a chance. Okay, good. I do want to thank everyone. The- no, just kidding. I love to thank ECW fan, the Boogster. I am Dwayne514 from the Philippines. Obviously, ECW fan, everyone who's come in and chimed in. Uh, who else has been in here as well? Let's see. Travis has been in here as well. So thank you so very much for everybody for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed this week's episode. So many things are coming up right now. If you missed our episode earlier on, uh, or any episodes, you can get them on Spotify. You can get them on iTunes. You can get them on Stitcher, uh, FM, uh, radio, wherever you go to get your fine podcast. You can also go to our YouTube channel where we have all of our, uh, all of our quality video footage uh is there right now go ahead and hit that follow and subscribe button so you get notifications whenever a video is posted uh if you know somebody who's a wrestling fan go ahead and share it with them let them know hey you know we got a show here and maybe they'll like it you never know tell them we're live here on tuesday nights if you'd like to call in our hotline it's three nine three seven five zero four twenty seventy one once again nine three seven five zero four twenty seventy one that's the hotline we'll answer any and all of your questions. Um, yeah. Present That's all I got. Away. We will talk. Give us a call. And uh, that's about it uh, for Liam Savage, for <laughs> Christopher Butt, for Anton Heidnick. I am Mike Freeland. It's been good. It's been real. It's been real good. We will see you next time on Front Row Material.